Welcome to episode 271 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. And today it is Sunday, 5.21 p.m. in Pasadena. Hey, Jason. How you doing? Doing all right. How about yourself? Yeah, very good. Um, it's, uh, it's dark outside. Yeah. That's, that's unusual for us, for our show recording. So, Texting Summit. This is, the, this is our first show since Texting Summit. Right. So. right. So what do you have to say about it? Um, it was awesome. It was, it was really, really good. Um, it was just fantastic to meet everyone and speak to them. And um, the, you, you organized it very well. The whole restaurant idea was good. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I was glad it worked out. You know, I, uh, I definitely tried to think very hard about the timing of everything. Yeah. The location of the restaurants and getting a variety of restaurants and where we would be able to sit. There wouldn't be too much noise, but, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, it, uh, luckily it all came together. And, uh, yeah, I thought it worked out really well. It would, it, would, it would have been a lot less fun if we had been sitting in, like, some conference rooms in some hotel. Yeah, no, I know. I agree. Yeah, kind of sucked, especially, think- especially the whole time. I mean, I, I, one thing that a few people did mention was it would have been nice if we'd have had a place like that, like an office style place that we could have spent a cup, you know, maybe do two, an hour session here, an hour session there for like a show and tell or some some mm-hmm. blacks and brainstorming time or something like that. Mm-hmm. But what the only because the only issue with the restaurants is it was quite difficult to do like a, a business show and tell or Right. brainstorm or something like that but it other than that it was great i mean just talking to everyone yeah yeah well um and i thought the uh the recorded uh the live studio <laughs> show was pretty cool it was funny it was kind of weird um the, the the weird aspect was kind of having you know the 12 people just watching us mm-hmm. and and them not really say because you know how like normally an audience show like there's kind of like audience participation in the sense of like i don't know laughter or clapping or cheering but there was i mean there was there was but you couldn't really exactly hear it in the audio because the mics are very near field oh i see and so it was like just as you listen to the show they'd be like every now and again like some random voice would just appear just just in the audio which would be kind of which was kind of interesting but uh no that was it was really good i'm Uh, glad uh, you know i mean it was your idea and i obviously was resistant to it at first because i thought it was gonna be a logistical problem i mean it was kind of weird everyone walking across town over here but it, luckily everyone came together my concern was that people were going to be splitting up yeah and coming here separately and and if that was going to be kind of a, a problem but luckily everybody we just all came straight from the restaurant and uh worked out but uh yeah pretty much it went off pretty flawlessly i think there was very few the only hiccup was we went we were going to go to that one bar, and it turned out to be too small and noisy. Then we just walked over, and there was even a better place to sit yeah, outside. Yeah, that so. was great, that last place. So it ended up working out great. Um, so do you want to like review any other parts of it? I mean, I suppose one thing... What do you want to talk about? Well, one, one thing that was, that was cool, like the, I suppose there was many great moments, but for me, like the most memorable moment, let's just say it that way. So one, one of our uh, texting summit attendees was a CFO of an airline. So... Um, we we had our the very last uh, breakfast that we had in uh, Cheesecake Factory. Cheesecake, yeah. Um, there was Ben and uh, Vitols and a few other people there, and I just thought I'd ask him. So, what's the biggest check you've ever cut? You know, just because I thought it'd be interesting. Like, obviously, a CFO of an airline would probably have cut quite a big check at one point. So anyway, so he says he said a number, and I was like, oh wow, half a million. Oh wow, that's a, that is a big check. And he's like, no, no, half a billion. I was like. 
what the? <laughs> so then he was telling us this great story about how he he um, cut this half a billion dollar check for a contract to buy ten new ten new aircrafts, and he ha- he set up this kind of situation where he had different um, vendors in different rooms, like so they they at, at, all at the same time, and they were kind of like bidding against each other, although they right. didn't exactly know it. And so he was like walking between the rooms and trying to get the get the best deal from the best airlines. So anyway, that's kind of cool. Yeah, there was some there were some great stories. It was interesting the variety of people that we had there, and uh, you know, we had people who were developers, people who worked at startups, people who weren't developers, people who didn't work at startups. Yeah, we had people who were from Europe and the Midwest. I was yeah, it was it was weird how many kind of like non developers there were. Like, how many others? Well, the C- I mean, basically, CFO of an airline, that kind of... He wasn't. That caught me by surprise. There was a couple, but most people... Most most people... Was something to do with tech. Yeah, I mean, most people wrote code. Um, one guy wrote code kind of as a hobby. There's a couple guys who wrote code not professionally, but sort of... On but even, even just the code, the type of stuff that they did, like Joe... Was it Joe who basically... The code he writes for is is like hard disks, you know, the the, hard, the engine mm-hmm. of hard disks, mm-hmm. better controller kind of stuff. And Scott, was it Scott who uh, has a CPR business, like a, an online CPR training business? Right. Yeah. Um, so everyone was just doing really interesting stuff. Hey, you seem pretty chilled and laid back right now. No, I'm pretty. Scott, I've been a very, I've been very busy. So you've been I, very busy, and you've you did you work out before you came here? No, I'm going to go play basketball tonight after we're done. Yeah, go right. home, have an energy bar, change clothes, and go play some basketball. Okay. But uh, this is like the most chilled I've seen you. Like, you oh, just, yeah? Yeah, you're just like relaxed. Well, you, you know, I don't have any notes, and I thought I was going to look at my, um, my uh, Instapaper history yeah. of, of stories that I've read. And then I've referred to those as topics, but I just discovered it won't let me scroll back and look at them. What the? <laughs> so Why won't it do wait. that? Is that a freemium thing? I think they've changed it. They've just changed it to a freemium service of some kind. Well, that's so, interesting. I don't know. I'm going to have to, I'm really going to have to wing it, I guess. So. Oh, well, that's, that's kind of, uh, that's interesting. So, what, so um, well, one thing that we wanted to talk about was the next TechSing Summit. Well, first thing I have to say is don't commit to anything. All right. That's, a, that's one thing V told is, was suggested that he made which i thought was very good one is i mean you can commit to whatever you want i'm not committing to doing anything right now it's too soon after yeah you know problem you 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 get yourself into is right after something you're all jazzed about it and then you know you start making all these promises and then you're like oh crap like we have to do something or we have to do something so don't mention anything no i'm just you can we can talk about it i'm just saying i'm not committing to doing anything at this point in time okay you know, I Fair mean, enough. I thought I was, it was a, a lot of fun. It was great meeting everybody. Um, but let's just see how we feel about things, you know, three months or six months from now before like committing to something. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, I don't know if I have time for this or, you know, right. I mean, yeah, okay. But, um, you know, there were ideas that I mean, we could do the same kind of thing we did because it worked out really well. Yeah. But the other idea that we were talking about at that last brunch with a bunch of the guys was the idea of doing like a bigger one where we had everybody go to an all-inclusive resort and <laughs> for like three or four days and like people could bring their wives, kids, <laughs> girlfriends, whatever. And, uh, you know, and just, and, and it would be, you know, you could, we could do stuff together or people could do stuff separately. It'd be 
I like that idea. I mean, it was like uh, my mine and George's wedding. So because obviously America and England, people flew over, and there was this like byproduct we weren't expecting. But like people we're flying over from America, they're not just going to come for two days. So we ended up being in this really cute town, and people came over for a week. And everyone just kind of split off into different groups and hung out with each other and just did different things. And sometimes they'd all come together, sometimes they split up. And it was just really interesting because everyone got to know each other and there was a lot of interesting conversation that way. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I like an idea like that. You know? Yeah, but then it's, it gives us a hell of a lot more organization. Well, is it? Yeah. I mean, we, like we, we don't run the hotel. I mean, we just say, get a ticket for this yeah, all-inclusive hotel. Right, I mean, you know... This is going to be figuring out what we're going to do, what days we're going to do, and getting, you know, I don't know, and just, you know, it just, it's just going to take, it's just take some effort, you know, wow. just to get it all settled. And it's going to be expensive. So how many people can afford it? That's true. You know? I mean, it's not like, it, yeah, it will be substantially, it will be substantially more expensive, especially if people are bringing wives, kids, things like that. But you've said to me in the past, like, that you've really enjoyed those all-inclusive holidays, but the one problem that you didn't like about it was you wished that you'd had some friends, you'd had stuff in common with there. Yeah, well, the so the first time I went was at my brother's wedding, and that was a lot of fun because there's 13 of us. So any time that you walk down out of your room, you know, with the area, you know, by the pool, there's a big buffet area, usually by kind of by the beach and the pool, and there's at any given time there's at least three to half a dozen or more people having breakfast or lunch or whatever, and uh, that was always nice because you could just jump in and be like, you know, grab some food, sit down and talk to people. But, oh, and then also you'd be like, we could, you know, split off and do th- do things like you were t- like you like you mentioned. Yeah. Like, let's go, hey, who wants to go snorkeling or who wants to go to the volleyball tournament or, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. And we're going to go, oh, we're going to go on a tour of the ruins and we want to come with us. You know, that, that was really fun. At, but for instance, at, um, my, at, my, at our wedding, at our, uh, our honeymoon, Sandy and I went to an all-inclusive resort. But it's like, I ran out of material after like three hours. I'm like, sweetheart, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I pretty much, <laughs> like, I, mean, I mean, I don't know what to say. So you just kind of like, well, this is nice. You know, just kind of, it's not, it's not as fun. Right. So if you had a group of, of people there who were into the same stuff, that's why it would be And they don't even have cool. to be into the same stuff. Like, you know, obviously at my brother's wedding, I didn't have much in common yeah, yeah. other than the fact that I was related to someone in the wedding party, right? Or in the wedding, yeah. right? Um, but it's just, you find things that are in common and th- stuff to talk about. But if you went down with like a bunch of people from a bunch of listeners, and of course you have a ton of things in common. And, uh, you know, usually that's why they're coming to the summit because they we talk about a lot of things that they're interested in or yeah. whatever. And so um, it it could potentially be a lot of fun. And of course, if they bring down their families and stuff and kids are, you have a lot of kids playing together and you know, it's not just like one person brings their wife and their wife's like, Oh my God, this is really boring geek talk. But if it's like everyone's wives are coming down and girlfriends, it's like, you know, they're like, are they become friends? They're like, Oh, we're going to go off and do this thing where you guys do your tech, whatever. You know? Yeah. I mean, you could see that working out. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's one idea. So either, you know, we if we did it again, we could do a repeat of what we did this time, which worked out really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, or we could do something much bigger like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we'll, we could decide maybe in six months from now, maybe, maybe soon, maybe we decide three or four months from now. And if we decide we want to do it, put a, um, you know, just say this is what we're thinking about and see what kind of feedback we get from people. Yeah, sure. And um, 
you know, but uh, the one reason that would make me want to do it again, not only because it was fun, but talking to the guys um, at that last brunch thing, at uh, uh, last meal, the, um, uh, I mean, it, it seemed like it was pretty much across the board. Everyone was like, yeah, this is it met or exceeded my expectations. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I think Joe said, he's like, I guess I had, I had sort of this range of expectations and exceeded my top level expectations. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, pretty good yeah that is you know i mean i like that and then a lot of guys are all nodding like yeah it was better you know it's actually better than i thought it was being i was looking forward to it so that was well you i think it's because you know you always say like when you go to a conference like the best part of the conference is like in the lobbies in between the Mm -hmm. meeting and and the dinners afterwards and this was just that exclusive the whole time the whole time like let's just (laughs) focus in on the it was kind of like you know it's kind of funny people build these products or these these yeah these products and it's like is these big, big, convoluted, complicated, or maybe not convoluted, but just complicated products, whether it's a app like web app or some piece of software or something. And then it turns out there's just this one little thing about that everybody loves. Yeah, they don't yeah. care about anything else. They just yeah. care about this one. Oh, I can share a picture or whatever. You know, it's like, yeah. that, it's like how Flickr started, you know? Yeah. It was like, they, it was initially was called the game never ending. And it really was the sharing of photos that people liked. And then they just did that. That's kind of what we did. It's like people go to these conferences and I've had all these speakers and stuff. It's like really what people like is the part where they're going out to dinner with all these the networking. like-minded, the like-minded networking, people. like-minded people. Yeah. yeah and I, I don't think it was network is networking. A lot of times it's like people, it's, it's very, um, sort of this, uh, like the mercenary, fo- like, yeah, the force kind of like handing out business cards. Yeah. yeah well, I'm doing this. It's, yeah. It's not, not like that. Like that. No, Nobody's no, no, going no. there to network. Everybody's just, is there to have fun and talk about stuff that they're interested in with a lot of the people who are interested in similar kinds of things who all tend to be very bright, curious people. And, uh, that's fun, and that as you and I discovered at the at the micro conference at micro the I guess we went three times, right? Yeah, we all th- three times. All yeah. three times, it was like, you know, the speakers were good, the talks were good, but as good as they it is is as good as those talks were, it were still weren't nearly as fun as the texting dinners. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just I mean, they just I, I I don't know. You just it, it, at it least was, for me. So this was just kind of an extension of the texting dinner dinner from let's the Markov. Let's just focus in on the part. Yeah. So we started with a texting dinner, then we moved to a texting weekend, and I'm hoping we move to a texting vacation. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Texting a destination. A destination. Yeah, something. Well, that would be fun. I we'll see. I mean, I if I think again it would be the kind of thing that if we got like this, you know, upwards of fifteen to twenty listeners in there along with their family you know i mean yeah. people can come alone if they want but i'm just yeah. like we, this would be very this would be ideal to bring you know your wife or i mean or family or whatever because your wife's gonna be like so let me guess you're going to the grand cayman and i'm staying here with the kids <laughs> <laughs> negatory right she's like that's not happening right or yeah. you're gonna pay a hefty price for that but it's like no no we're all going right we're all going it's just you know, and uh, it's just we can. There are people there that'll be fun to hang out with, and we can hang out with them some of the time, and then some we'll just do our own thing. Hmm. And there's only so much time you can just sit on the beach where you just really start getting really bored. So one one thing that happened that was a, a world first was at the end of this weekend, you were tired of talking. Well, I pretty much talked myself hoarse. <laughs> when I talk nonstop <laughs> for about almost close to two days. Yeah, I think from about. Seven o'clock or six o'clock on Friday night till about almost noon on Sunday, 
I, I was talking nonstop. I mean, and, and we were going late to even like one o'clock or 12. yeah. I mean, so I, I was my voice was really rough. My voice, my my vocal cords hurt a little bit. Oh, well. strained. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that uh, came up was I, I I had asked some people you you know what could we do to make the show better or like what could we do to kind of grow the listenership or whatever, and people did <laughs> did have the thought that. It's quite difficult to grow the listenership when everything's so inside baseball and there's no kind of constant. Threat. I don't think there's any growing the show at this point. You know what I mean? It's like we've been stuck <laughs> at this 2000 mark for like, you know, three years. Well, uh, well we, we I went know. from 250 to about 1500 or something in like a year and a half. And then it kind of crept up to about two grand, 2000. It's kind of hovered in that range. See, I don't know. I mean, I, I always think of like pulp, like the band pulp in the UK. I mean, they were just this small no-name band like i and it happens to any band if you stick around for 10 years right stick around for 10 years and just keep doing what you're doing you just create so much luck surface area that it's actually impossible that a lot more people just won't listen to you at some stage like there's this cumulative effect of like a, a crap load of time and so i i think that that's one way we could grow if we stuck around for 10 years because we've already done the the first uh, five the 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 the, <laughs> the gra- gradient on this curve is like zero there's like no growth okay i i see that's what you've always said you're like oh if we just keep any fool along like something will happen like no nothing ever happens like no magic does not happen when you're not doing everything you can pretty much to push something forward so when you're just hanging out nothing ever happens like you know whether it's your startup or a podcast. If if you and I were like, we are going to do everything we can to increase the listenership to ten thousand. No, but you could do one thing, one small thing. Hmm. For example, we could we could open the show with a segment where rather than talk about inside baseball stuff, all the stuff that's you know the story of our lives, we could just talk about three interesting topics for the first fifteen minutes, which would basically mean that it would be much more accessible for other people to get into the show because mm. when they started listening from episode 270 forward, anyone new who came in, they'd be like, oh, that's interesting. And then they'd listen beyond the first 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So that would be one small thing that could at least... Yeah, it's a small thing. Great. I, I, don't, I don't see there's anything... Because, you know, we we didn't really get as... Uh, we, we, we stuck more to topics up until probably about a year ago. I felt like, I mean, maybe it was six months ago, but you're, it was it's at some point we really just said, for, forget it. We're just going to talk about whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think because there was, a, there, at least there was a part of me that was a little conscientious about about that. And, for, and, and then at some point I just stopped caring. Yeah. Um, but I didn't think it mattered because um, I didn't think we were growing anyway. There's no possibility. So, so there's no possibility we're going to grow. <laughs> <laughs> like grow any substantial amount. Like, yeah, you could grow 5%. You know, I don't think no. there's any chance. I mean, first of all, who cares? It's like if we have two thousand listeners or we have eight thousand, does it really? It doesn't. Still doesn't move the needle. It doesn't. It doesn't. Like, what does that do for you? Well, it's just it's just momentum. Yeah, but what does it do for you? More luck surface area. What does it do for you? What do you look more luck surface area? I What's don't know luck? what it does for me. It does. It does. Yeah, it it yeah. brings some luck surface area. It, it brings. It puts us in touch with more people. It means that more interesting conversations are had there's more great people have in our you lives. had anything business-wise benefit you from the show a lot it's funny because i haven't you know it's no, funny i, I know i know <laughs> i know it's really benefited me everything the show and our relationship <laughs> has benefited you i've got no side effect from any of it wow 
So, so knowing me is. Oh, in terms of a bit from a business perspective. So basically, knowing me has just been a, like a suck for you. No, it's just been like fun. You know, this has been pure fun. It's not. There's been no business benefit to it for me. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, our relationship is a lot of it is encompassed by the show. Right. And you know, like when people come meet us, it's just like there's a show that's recorded. What about the time when I helped you with like Catalyst, and therefore it made it easier to do that? Therefore, you stuck with it longer, and therefore you were more into that and then you invested in middle valley mill valley code club and i mean is there no like even tangential like just kind of I mean, yeah, slightly I, helping I you mean, along no, i mean like i said i've always appreciated <laughs> you help me with that but i'm not saying that the show i'm not right. talking about you personally have not i it's not, i'm not trying to say that i have gained nothing from our friendship i'm saying there's been no business financial well but i, I mean i wouldn't have helped you if, as a result of the show i wouldn't have helped you if we weren't doing the show like i wouldn't be going down and doing catalyst with you once a week yeah, so at least there has been no business or financial gain to me business or financial gain right that's what i'm saying i guess i mean the catalyst is just a for fun thing well what about when we first started the show you your rate was a hundred dollars and through through the, the discussions of the show that we had your rate went up to 200 or that whatever nothing to do with the show nothing to do with the show oh, fair the, see, the reason is is because i was i already have big network yeah um, you came over to the U. You were came over from UK. You didn't know anybody, right? So it was easy for you to. There's a lot of low hanging fruit for you. You know, pe- you know people. You know, I mean, I just. Yeah, we don't know anybody. <laughs> and but it, didn't you ever do any work for anyone who sent you an email? I mean, mo- you know, I look. I hate it. It sounds terrible, but most of it's just distraction. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like look. It's a lot of nice people who email me with questions about things or want to comment about stuff, which is, and I'm happy to reply to emails and or answer questions or whatever and that's nice but it's not like it's been anything other than that you know okay i mean i'm just so so just the, you know so, I, mean? I am incapable of being anything so, but straight completely honest so why do you do it then? why do you because i like to talk you like to talk and i guess you the texting like, the texting like, weekend at least showed you that like it's having an impact on other people's lives. yeah no i so i like to talk about i like to talk i don't have a lot of people that I can talk with about this range of things. You know, I have a, obviously a broad range of interests. A lot of them are very technical. A lot of them are kind of idiosyncratic or whatever. Bizarre, yeah. And bizarre. <laughs> you know, whatever. So, um, I, you know, with you and because of the context of the show, it gives me a, an outlet for that. Right. And it there, there is a... Um, I do like I one thing I did really enjoy was hearing the amount that we've impacted people's lives and they say hey you know because you guys talked about this or because you said to this or this piece of advice you'd always gave I followed it and I'm like holy crap like you realize how much our show our talking or just I you know whatever has you know it's not like people I don't think they're listening for advice but it's just like you know, we talk about enough things and some of the stuff we say, I guess, turns out to make some sense or people hear it 10 times. They're like, oh, I guess, you know, Jason said this 10 times or Justin said this. Maybe I should give yeah. this a try or whatever. And they do it. And they're like, wow, actually, that worked. That was kind of cool. Well, least we of hear- all, Ben Rhea is making 80 grand from your. Yeah. Your- <laughs> yeah, we talk about that. Yeah, right. You know, what's cool, though, uh, was <laughs> Jeff um, Welpley said he's like, uh, and this is the first that we when I first showed up at, uh, was it Ceriso? You know, you're complaining because you're like, you're, where have you been? You yeah, yeah. Well, he was outside making a phone call. So when I walked up, we, we, we talked for like 20, 30 minutes before we walked inside. And so he's like, 
he's telling me about this conference he was at. I think it was a, it was in Boston. It was a conference for developers and doing start. I think it was was like it was like for young developers. I think maybe coming out of a college, colleges or in, the, or in the area or something. And, and they were asking about like how do how do you get make a name for yourself or how do you get consulting work or whatever. And he he started talking about well you know get a cutting edge technology and start learning and writing tutorials about it. And everyone loved it. He said that the whole rest of the conversation was all about that. I love that. <laughs> at idea. the conference. Yeah. Like yeah. It all, or at least at that, at that table talk. Yeah. You know, I guess he was kind of on the stage talking or whatever. And yeah. he heard of that. And he's like, Oh, I forgot. I forgot to mention that was your idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, it's like, um, but it's kind of, it's neat to hear stuff like that. Yeah. That, you know, that you can, you know, say things, you think about things, and it actually has a positive impact on people's lives. So I'm not saying that the show doesn't create, isn't valuable to me, and has been a positive experience. I'm just saying there's been no financial, financial business monetary. gain. There's been no monetization, directly or indirectly, to me for the show. That's interesting. So I, do you think that, okay, just exploring this a little further. At least you, that I can think of. Do you think that you would be thinking about and exploring the exact same topics had we not done the show. Like, would you be thinking about everything that you do? Would you be thinking about Catalyst? Would you be thinking about Tesla? Would you be thinking about all, the, all those different things? If, if the show wasn't in our lives, would your life have that same fabric? Yeah. Yeah, I do it anyway. I'm... Um yeah, so whether we do shows or not, like, I'm... No, I mean, if, we'd no, if we just never met, never started the show, like, you, you'd be down this same life path, you think? If yeah, I mean, I just, what effect. happens is they have an unsuspecting friend meets you for lunch, and I just blast them with, like, 15 times. They're like, whoa, <laughs> let me tell you about this, let me tell you about that. They're like, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, I've, uh, I read a ton of stuff, and I think about a ton of stuff, and, you know, I, and occasionally I get really enthusiastic about something, and I start doing some project of some kind. So I've always... Like okay. That. So, well, the show is just a verbalization of it. So, um, with the uh, with the idea in mind of some beginning segment of the show where we talk about some interesting stuff, um, I was thinking we we could either both bring links, or I could just bring links that we could call Justin's interesting links, <laughs> <laughs> and That's I'll just I'll just like say them, tell tell them, and then if they spark anything, you're like, you can talk about it. We'll just let Jason fly. And if they don't, you're like, I got nothing. Uh, what I'll do, what I'll do is I'll just let you just, just hang in the wind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but just, but you can just say, I got nothing or, and I'll just move on to the next one. But at the, at the very minimum, they're interesting links, right? Mm -hmm. So, so people will be hearing something interesting and they may or may not get some kind of criticism or top or just conversational, uh, back chat from Jason about it. So I, I, yeah, normally, obviously, I have, I have a lot of things I, a link. I mean, I have things I have in my brain that I want to talk about. Yeah, but that I think would be fun, might be fun to talk about. But um, uh, you know, we can hit your links first if you want. All right. Even what uh, the the Daily Telegraph in England uh, blog, well, uh, an article. Even World War Three could not stop the rising population. Um, even a world, even a world war which claimed as many lives as the last two would not make the world's exploding population manageable. Experts warn: population growth is so out of control that even stringent restrictions on childbirth, disastrous pandemics, pandemics, or third world war would not make it manageable um, by the turn of next century. Uh, they found that under current conditions of fertility, mortality, and mother's average age at first childbirth, global population was likely to grow from seven billion in 2013 to 10.4 billion in 2100. 
about anything? Well, okay. Well, first of all, they, um, you know, there's been various extrapolations about this in the past. There was a, I guess it was in the 60s or something, and I can't remember the guy's name. Um, I slip it. It's just the tip of my tongue, but he's, uh, spend a lot of time extrapolating like the growth and you know human population and people were really freaking out about it and um one of the things that and they may be right but it will only happen if ultimately there are the economics to support it so like if there are not enough if there aren't the economics to grow the food people will die if people can't find housing at some point those people won't be able to reproduce enough to, you know it just it what happens there are natural constraints on things and that it just well, that's kind of interesting you say that but it, uh, isn't there like a stat like i don't know 90 percent of the grain grown in america is used for like oil and, and stuff that's just we don't eat it kind of thing so there, there's a lot of food available or, and it's also you know even it's just so kind of uneconomical growing grain to feed cows and eat the cows so you could potentially like optimize food source quite substantially well so, okay, but here's the thing. I mean, yeah, you, right. You can support more people. The question is, um, those commodities like grain, for instance, that you brought up, among other commodities, water, are ultimately um, a, uh, a fungible commodity and since they can be – the whole market is, is bidding for them. And so the whole world market is bidding for them in some degree or another, right? Yeah. So if – the people, for instance, in the Western economies want to eat beef and they're willing to pay enough for it. They, the, the producers who can pay enough for the grain to feed their cows are going to buy the grain, right? I mean, people in the Western countries are not going to stop eating steaks and hamburgers and kebabs and whatever else because um, some some statistical number of some people in some countries that they barely even know of can't afford to eat. They're just not. I mean, we've already proven it. I mean, think about like live aid, you know, and, and what happened in Africa or whatever. Like we did, we didn't stop doing what we did. Um, there was people starving. Yeah. And there were people. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean the, the reality is that the, the, you know, there people are going to pay for what they want. Hmm. And, uh, and that's, and, and it's not just the U S it's England, it's France, it's Italy, all these people, they eat red meat or they even eat, you know, even chickens are more expensive than in, in, in grain in, yeah. in grain or fish. What I mean, people are going to, you know, or the leather on their uh, shoes or their jackets or whatever. So, so what you're saying is there's basically a throttle, like there's, there's, there's the kind of the food throttle that's going to just stop it from happening. Stop it from that. There's going to be a point where we just hit the hit the the peak. Yeah, and it's not just food; it's water, and everything else. I mean, but of course, you, just as we've seen in the U.S. with all the fracking and stuff, like now all of a sudden there's this oil boom and natural gas boom in the U.S. because oil it. became expensive enough that it became economical to develop these more expensive and intricate ways of getting the oil out of the ground. Yeah, using fracking and the oil the you know the shale and the oil sands and tar sands and the oil and the you know all that kind of stuff so at 30 or 40 or 50 dollars a barrel that stuff or even 70 dollars a barrel that stuff really wasn't economical when you get to 80 90 100 120 all of a sudden now we get a ton as well because now it's like we can spend the money on that stuff the problem with your argument is that it's kind of proven that in countries where people are starving population still grows well it, it will only grow as long as the external countries will support them to grow 
remember seeing this thing. This was in. I want to say like that's just. I remember. I remember watching this was on C-SPAN or something, and it was. Uh, it was like someone like it wasn't Anderson Cooper because before his time, but it was someone like him was interviewing uh, this lady who was really high up and providing food um, via the, the United Nations or some you know really big um, uh, NGO that was providing food to some third world countries in Africa. And she said, listen, the problem is, as long as we keep bringing food in externally, the peop- and the people here have food, they will continue to have babies, and we need more food. We've got to stop sending food. <laughs> it was real. I was like, shocked. I was like, listen, I was like, did she really say that? It was like this, you know, it was like this 65 or 70-year-old, you know, uh, That's like, woman it's, it's- who was like really respected, and you could tell she had a lot of... You know, she she you know her career was about providing um, you know food for starving countries, but she said that's just a simple ma- this is a simple equation. You know, it's like you know if you um if you if you keep bringing in food to these refugee camps, then the refugees come. Oh, there's food, and like oh they feel better. But then we're this is a good place to go. Create, and then we have now we have they feel secure with life. And it's like it's it's an it's kind of an ugly thing to think about. But if you abstract it away from human beings, and you just said well. You know, these, you know, we did a little mathematical modeling of this stuff, and that's kind of how it works out. Um, you know, but uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it all comes, to, the economics are the big ba- counterbalance. You know, can these, and you know, we may go to a 10.4, but there'll be some point where it's like, in a lot of these countries that become um, more urbanized, because as countries grow, People go to get jobs and they go to urban centers, right? There are more and more people in urban centers. But when you get to urban, urban centers in cities, you kids be not change from an asset as farmhands to a liability. They just cost money, right? So having seven kids doesn't make any sense. You just can't afford them. You can't afford to house them. You can't afford to clothe them, to feed them, to send them to school. It just becomes incredibly expensive. So people start having, you know, three kids or two kids or one kid or no kids, you know, when you're living out in the country and you're on a farm and, you know, I guess it's, it's, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, well, they're, they're saying that even, even, you know, by re- a lot of people reducing just like a, having a one kid kind of thing is still not going to affect it in their models. But people aren't going to stop having, yeah. I mean, it, it yeah. I mean, people are going to have as many kids as they want to have. And, uh, you know, and they, but mostly it's mostly it's in these other countries, like, Indonesia or India or whatever. It's not in the U.S. U.S. will grow, but it's not going to like go to the. Okay, so so let's say it 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 is kind of capped. I think that's still the kind of concept that they're talking about. Well, I'm not saying it's capped. I'm just saying there's a constraining factor. But, okay, there's a constraining but factor e- that a damp. It's called like a dampening factor on it. But we'd still end up with a situation like a, a District Nine. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, I mean, it's still it's still kind of kind of. I still like that now. It's always been that way. You always have people from poor countries migrating to slightly right. wealthier countries to try and find work to be able to pay for their feed their family and find places to live. And you know, this is I mean, you have a lot of people from India who in Pakistan and other places have migrated over to like you know parts of uh, what's it like Abu Dhabi and you know places like that are working. And you have these huge percentage of the population of these countries are made up of work migrant workers from other places, just like. You know, there's a huge amount of uh, of workers in the U.S. from Mexico and Central America. There's a huge amount of workers from certain parts of Eastern Europe and other places 
uh, close to Europe who move to Northern Africa, become to Africa, uh, go to Europe. I mean, it's just that's how it always works. People go go where the getting's good, you know. Yeah, and that's just how it's always going to work. Um, well, I feel like I've got my money's worth from that link. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> that worked well. But I mean, a question: Are you worried about? Is it, do you have a worry about it? Are you yeah. worried about it for yourself? Or are you worried about it for? Is this just like a world worry? Like a sort of. Is it like is it a bleeding heart worry or is it a Justin my life is going to suck in 30 years from now worry? It's actually neither. I just thought it was really interesting like the idea that a world war 3 could happen, 2 billion people get killed, we're still going to get 8 billion in 100 years. You know what I mean? It's like well, Listen, if 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 there's a nuclear war, one of the problem one of the things that people don't understand about nuclear war and they've they've since done a lot more updated simulations, if there's anything close to a a full exchange, not even a full exchange because the the there would there would kick up so much dust and uh and, and into the uh, and debris into the atmosphere that would really have a nuclear winter like it would block out the sunlight for like and it was like thirty or fifty years or something like that and literally like all organic uh material would effectively die i mean basically it would kill almost everything There'd be very few organisms that would survive it interesting so that, so that like, that's that's basically so that's talking about like a total nuclear war and i don't even think i'd have to I'd have to like do research on it again, look into it. But I remember it was uh, you know Daniel Ellsberg who released the uh, Pentagon Papers. You may not know who that is, but yeah. you do you know what the Pentagon Papers were. No. Okay, the Pentagon Papers were about uh, there were a bunch of internal papers that uh, described uh, what was going on in Vietnam that were between government officials and generals and things like that. And um, uh, uh, Daniel Ellsberg, I think, w- worked. He worked in the Pentagon or something like that, and he basically photocopied. Basically, he was like Snowden before Snowden, right? Yeah. And he released all these documents, and I think it got to the Wall Street Journal and the Washington, I mean, I mean to the um, New York Times and the Washington Post or something like that. And um, basically, it it brought to light the fact that the generals and the you know people who were in the cabinet and stuff understood that there was no way we we're going to win the Vietnam War. There was no winning. And that we were ultimately, the reason we were staying in the war and things were for political, for domestic political reasons. That it was completely for cynical reasons. And that, that sort of really was a final nail in the coffin of the Vietnam War, right? That was the Pentagon Papers. So this guy, Daniel Ellsberg, is very famous for that, uh, for releasing those papers. And of course, Nixon tried to have him, you know, they tried, they really tried to go after him, get him in jail. They, that was, they broke in. You know, they talk, you know, you remember Forrest Gump when they have these, guys breaking in that's watergate right well that's uh watergate but part of them breaking in they were broken they broke into his psychiatrist or psychologist's office to try and find oh, yeah. word on him to show that he's crazy or discredit him or something yeah but anyway so that's who daniel ellsberg is anyway so he um and one of his big issues on for a number of years has been the um the uh basically pulling back on our on these nuclear arsenals because with these massive nuclear arsenals and one of the things he's been citing and talking about, you know, more up-to-date simulations by, you know, nuclear scientists and stuff, is that if we actually released a bunch of these mega, multi, megatron, you know, megaton, megaton uh, nuclear hydrogen bombs, like, the world would just be done. Well, you don't just have to blow up every city. You don't have to blow up every city. It's like the, the debris and the, um, that would be, and the, and the dust that would, that would, Get in the atmosphere that would basically block it. Light would basically end it. Ultimately. Just just talking about that for a second. So, would the only option then be to basically create artificial light through, you know, use through burning oil or something like that, and using that artificial light to grow plants? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess theoretically, you could uh, create these massive greenhouses underground. You know, so let's assume that you know, and there's all this speculation that the U.S. government has all these huge underground bunkers um, for government officials, and they call it continuity of of, of government um, uh, protocols. And apparently, they they you know, no one really knows, at least in the public, that they have these massive um, facilities underground. And you know, in addition to having just food stored, you know, you you would likely want to create these massive greenhouses that would probably yeah. funneled by. You probably want to have it actually, uh, ironically, by nuclear generators. Right? Yeah. Just like just just if you run out of coal or oil. I mean, yeah. you'd, you'd want to have nuclear, just like you just like you power um, uh, nuclear submarines or aircraft carriers. Yeah, that makes sense. But then again, the problem is if you're stuck in some underground tunnel, I guess you'd have some way of like they probably have some way of like you know they have these massive tunnels and they probably have on you know train track would take the nuclear waste down like ten miles away into some other secure pit or whatever, but. You know. Anyway, the bottom line is, I, I think you're you are correct to some degree. You probably could for a yeah. while, huh. but I, you know, I don't know how long you could be underground without any vitamin D, direct sunlight for you that might really be causing. Well, but the, like the, the lights, the nu- the nuclear reactor that you just mentioned, you, you could create. You know, you could mimic sunlight. Wonder, I don't know. I, I don't know how. Maybe you can. I mean, can you get vitamin D from certain types? Can you create artificial sunlight? And you get vitamin. D? Yeah, I think so. Because it, I, I think so. Yeah, it's just. You just create the same wave waveform, I believe. I don't know. So, um, okay. So I've got next one. Mm-hmm. I want to see if you're interested in this. This is the, this is interesting, but I don't know if it's going to take you take you anywhere. So, uh, did you see the thing about HP thermal inkjet printing 3D? Uh, no. But what what's interesting about them is um, they're really that they they're taking their aim, their goal is to take 3D printing a step further. So that you can have control over the part, the material properties beyond those found in other 3D printing printers. So you'll be able to control the texture, the friction of it rubbing against another piece, the strength of it, uh, the elasticity of it, the electrical throughput of it, and the thermal properties and even more. Very cool. So like, they're just talking about, we can't even imagine the possibilities of what we could create with that kind of technology. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. So so thir- so how 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 is this a th- you said this is a thermal 3D printer. So this is just a next thermal yeah, next next This is the next gen yeah. 3D printer. Yeah. Multi-material. But it's like you so they're saying that you would be able to print an entire an, an entire working thing. You know? Like yeah, with, so with getting, electricity channels and components. Yeah, so, so we're getting close to the what you call the uh, the replicator from Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so well, it's funny how Star Trek, you know, it's like <laughs> everything from the communicators, like we had those with the old cell phones, the flip phones. That was our communicators, right? And then well, and the, the holodecks you, and the replicators. And then, and then what's the one, the uh, tricorder? Well, because you know the tricorder, I was going to say like you've, th- th- he follows the little dot on the screen. Like you can do that now, right? That's, that's the little dot in Google Maps. You're following the dot, right? That's what the tricorder does. They always, oh, you can see the guy, walk, you know, walking towards. Oh the no, no, the tricorder was uh, what Bones would use to find out if you were what you're sick with. When he'd hold that thing in over the person lying on the table. I oh yeah, the tricorder. I think. I mean, that's what I remember the tricorder being. But um, the, you know, it was basically like a, yeah, like a little handhold, little wand thing, and, and it would. Oh yeah, it, yeah. It it's, it's, this, it's doing instant it would look scanning. Like an, it would look like an iPad. It was an iPad with like this handheld scanner. 
<laughs> you know. Well, that that that's actually falls in line with actually the next thing I was going to bring up, but it's I feel like it's too soon to bring it up, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Google developing cancer and heart attack detectors, where they are working on technology that combines disease detecting nanoparticles with something like a tricorder. Yeah. So basically, you kind of ingest these these nanop- nanoparticles, and then it can do its magic on you. Yeah, you know, and I've I've so I saw that announcement. I mean, I think it's just more like they're going to start trying to do this. Okay. You know? I mean, it's like they haven't done anything. Yeah. Any real progress? It's just like okay, we have Google scale money, Google scale resources, yeah. and they're willing to to take what they call the moonshots. You yeah. know, which when you have that kind of money, you're like, all right, just like Project Loon or self driving cars or um, the um, Oh god! What were the glass things? The uh, Google Google Glass. Google Glass. Yeah, um, they can do stuff like that. Um, but I've seen some Kickstarter thing. At least one Kickstarter um, uh, project which had to do with actually funding like a, a tricorder. Like a, oh, a tricorder. A bunch of engineers and doctors and stuff were trying to develop a, and I, and I believe there's an X Prize built around a so, tricorder. So what? Like what a tricorder? There's a tr- X Prize around building a tricorder. Well, so what? What? What are like the minimum? You know benefits of the tricorder in the xprize like it can it can check your blood oh, like what sugar. the parameters are yeah it can it? check your blood sugar it can tell your heart pulse oh well, yeah i mean at the very minimum i think it's like i think it was more it had, the goals were much higher than that because i think you could probably do a lot of that we're pretty close to doing a lot of that now already i mean you know but these a lot of these with these uh fitbit things or these yeah. kind of things you wear can do things like your blood pressure and your calories that you burn and this and that and you know blood sugar probably is not that far off i mean but um I mean, probably scanning for all kinds of different diseases. Did you see the Microsoft one, the Microsoft Band? That's got ten sensors, and it could it can do I think the most of those things. You see, there you go. Right, like yeah. that's not a moonshot. Like that's now. Yeah, that's you know, now. They say yeah. like I, I can't remember who said this, but the 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 future is here. It's just uneven, unevenly distributed. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like so you could go buy that. Now, some people that's science fiction. Even some people in the United States, that's science fiction. They realize it's true. It's true. Wearing it, like, what are you talking? About? I've had this for six months. You know, even Amazon Echo. Have you seen Amazon what Echo? Is that, what is that? So, um, on the front page of Amazon Echo, if you go there now, I, I don't know why this didn't get bigger on Hacker News. But basically, uh, did you, have you seen ads for Amazon Fire TV? Uh, I don't remember. I, maybe. Okay, so basically, Fire, Amazon Fire TV. Obviously, they've got really great at this at the Siri tech, like basically the tech of talking to something. Mm-hmm. So they've created this thing called Amazon Echo, which is just like this tube like this, right? It's it's open for kind of, you're being invited. It's going to cost $199. And uh, you just kind of put this tube on the table. It's got six microphones. So it can hear your, it can hear voice activation commands, even from like the other side of the house, mm-hmm. right? It's really kind of listening. I forgot, I think it's called Alexis or something mm-hmm. like that. And they show all the different things that Alexis can do. Like, so basically just, you know, Alexis, uh, book me a flight to, you know, Miami, right? And it just, uh, Alexis, how many, how many pounds of, you know, sugar are there in an ounce, you know, like, or, or what, like, just basically like how, you know, like, like real humans communicating with this computer. And that's what it is. And, and that's how they're pitching it. And they're, they're just pitching it. They had the, the whole pitch is this family, um, like a mom and dad and two kids, and basically, it's just showing their lives, living with Echo, you know? Well, you know, well, <laughs> IBM, yeah, yeah, IBM's Watson is doing that for, like, boardrooms. Right. They're, they're going to use that, like, you know, for, so it's like, you know, what are the numbers on this? Like, what are the trends on this? What do you estimate for this? Like, what's the best company for, you know, in this category? You know, they, you know, they, so, so you imagine it would be, like, they said, just the same way that with this sort of ambient, it would have microphones um, all throughout the room, 
and it would be able to just hear in the conversation. It might be able to interject even. Yeah. With like here, talk, just kind of like, um, oh, uh, Jarvis in uh, in uh, Iron Man. Yeah, like Jarvis exactly. But it plays so beautifully into NSA scare stories, right? I mean, imagine every house having an echo or something like that. That's be that's that's monitoring all conversation. I I, that's the Internet of Things that you can just tap in and listen to what anyone say. See, I don't know. I don't. I still don't quite get the Internet of Things yet because I don't really quite get um, the uh, the value. Like, why uh, why does my chair need to be intelligent? Like, I mean, to some degree, like stuff. I I wonder. I mean, yeah, maybe things are like you know, just like they won't start with chairs though. It'll be it'll I'm be just, things like the band or you know. Yeah, yeah. Like I can understand certain things having intelligence but a lot of things having intelligence sounds silly and i there's an anti-pattern about it there's a there was a i can't remember what it's called but it was called like how when a new tech it's like somebody's law and it was like about how whenever new technology comes out we over we encode it in all this dumb stuff you know and it's like why would you make your lamp have like you know have this multi-process oh, oh just like dumb stuff well even, even if you why look- am i surfing the web on my toaster it's just stupid no, but even if you look at science fiction predictions of the future back in the fifties, like just some really dumb stuff was predicted. Yeah. You know? But I mean, it's an anti-pattern that, like, when <laughs> when the technology comes out, we start sort of shoehorning it and all these kind of things. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Kind of yeah. like, uh, like why why do, why would yeah. you do that? You know, because you know, people are just kind of like throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks. But I think you're, I I think you're right that there will be a proactive intelligence as opposed to just a reactive intelligence that in the sense that, well, you, well, you're talking about echo is more, it sounds more like a reactive, like you just, it's like a Siri, but you could just be walking around the room and ask stuff. You don't have to hold your phone up and go Siri. You just be, what you can be even be in a different room kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it could just be kind of, um, I, I can see that, but the, the thing about it is that, uh, that may take a little while to, to adapt to, to, to before it exists in the real world, because unless they can come up with microphones, yeah, so, yeah, I see, I see it. So, Justin's showing me a, a picture of it. Um, so, here's the thing, though, Justin. What kind of microphone do they have? Like, how many of those do you have to have around the house? No, no, it, it has six microphones in the top, and they're using, they're using interesting algorithms where they're basically, because any microphone could pick up some, some really low noise from, 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 say, here into the kitchen over there in, our, in my house, right? But the, but the issue is, is, like, how do you kind of like make out what someone's saying? So because they've got the six microphones, they're kind of like bouncing the different frequencies. So, so, and- the, so it's kind of like, it's almost like when you're sitting in a room and you hear your wife on the phone talk to someone, and you go, sweetheart, that thought like you interrupt. She's on the phone with somebody and she's, she's, she's got a piece of information wrong. You're like, no, it's Saturday. Not for like, all oh, right, right, right. You know, like you just interject, right? Like I'm talking with you. And you're like, no, Jason, it's not this. It's like, oh, okay. So it's like, Correction, texting listeners, you just informed that we were wrong about this. So I mean, that would be cool. But here's some here's some examples of, of of the kind of thing it does. Okay. Right. So will it rain tomorrow? Here's some kind of questions that you can ask. Mm-hmm. Alexis, will it rain tomorrow? Uh, Alexis, play music by Bruno Mars. Alexis, add gelato to my shopping list. And how that how is that user journey going to go? Add gelato to my shopping list. Like, what is it then going to say? Which one of a million different brands and different possibility types of ice cream would you like? Or do you just mean add gelato? Well, to it's just, it's, it's, <laughs> if, if you're going to go to the store anyway, you have a shopping list which just says gelato. You know what you're going to buy, right? You're just looking on your iPhone. Okay, so this isn't actually buying the so, gelato. Seeing, you know how we do Shandy does her shopping list? So okay. we actually have an old school, like she, on the inside of one of our pantry doors, she has like a little, it's actually, um, 
it's embedded in the wood is like the chalkboard you can write on. So she yeah. writes in chalk. So if I were out of something, I just write in chalk on it. She takes a photo of it with her phone <laughs> of the chalkboard. And then That's she's cool. Like, she just looks at the photo. And she's at the, she doesn't type stuff in with her fingers. It just takes a photo from that. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, so add gelato to my shopping list. When is Thanksgiving? Alexis, when is Thanksgiving? Um, I, I don't know. When is it Thanksgiving? Oh, Alexa, by the way, is the name. Alexa. Alexa. Yeah. Alexa, when is Thanksgiving? That's Alexa is the search. Is the old... No, no. Alexa is what you call this thing. But Alexa, was, wasn't Alexa like some kind of... Didn't Amazon have a search in or something called Alexa? Uh, well, Alexa was, is, is ranking. It's, ranking. Still, it's, it's, it's still pretty big, but it's, it's ranking. So it's the same size. name, Alexa? Yeah, Alexa. And it's kind of weird that they would brand it Echo, but, but that you would say Alexa. Like, what, like, why don't you just do what Google does? Google Glass, you know? Or what's, what Apple does, Siri. Like, you should, you should, it, the product name should be the same name as what you call it. But anyway, that's confusing. Um, so anyway, Alexa, what's the weather in Los Angeles this weekend? Alexa, add make hotel reservations to my to-do list. I, I see, I see. It's beginning to sound less impressive the more yeah, I Yeah, these are kind of, I mean, this is kind of... Um, Play my dinner party playlist. Yeah, so like, none of that stuff really is that... How many teaspoons are in a tablespoon? Yeah, so here's the thing. But it's version 1.0. I, I I, I, I version 1.0. Yeah, I, okay, I get it. You don't have to read anymore. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, but, you know, what, what, what Sandy and I do all the time is... Um, um, we're, I, I get it, I get it. So, is that... When we're watching, um, when we're watching a TV show, and a lot of times when we're watching uh, sports on TV, so we we watch a lot of the of the NFL, yeah, and uh, we talk with some player, and I'll be like, I wonder what's the story in that guy, or what's in that guy swift to the team, or why are they talking? It would be good for that. And yeah. so I'll always go, Siri, what what college does someone play for? What year was he drafted, or what's this guy's? And does it does Siri do a good job oh, of yeah, it? Yeah, well, because you know, um, or uh, yeah, I use Siri. Sandy does Google because Sandy has an Android. She always makes fun of Siri. She thinks Siri's idiot. <laughs> and she's like, um, or Google, uh, whatever it's called, um, uh, is smarter. Android? Well, I mean, Siri, well, Android, but it's, it's Siri does work pretty well. I mean, I was amazed. Like, I've, I haven't really tried it, but I just tried it actually just last night after looking at the Echo thing. I was like, Siri, uh, I want to write an email. So Siri's like, okay, sure. What do, what do you want to, what, what do you want the subject to be? I was like, what? You, you, okay, uh, Hey, Georgie, how are you doing? This is an email from Siri. Okay, cool. Well, what do you want the message to be? Uh, oh, hi, Georgie. Um, this is a test email from Siri. End email. Okay, thanks. Sent. I was like, that worked? How the hell did it do that? <laughs> well, I, 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 think, I think if you had um, a sort of a, 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 a thing that was always on in a room, it's just like, uh, almost like you wouldn't even see it. Almost like you have like your smoke detector. Yeah. It just sits there. No one even think about it. You don't have to go turn it on or put a headset on or go, you know, like I make fun of Sandy. A lot of times she asks, she'll, she'll hold her phone and hold it up to her mouth. And almost like a grandma, like talking about, hello, oh, <laughs> like, what are you doing? The phone can hear you. You don't have to hold it up to it, you know? That's funny. And, uh, and, and so once people get away from that, no, they could just talk. And just like if you and I were here and rather than us sort of like reaching for stats, you're like, I know there's some statistic. You'd be like, what's the statistic on blacks? It's true. That's going to be You don't even very... turn your head. You're like, I wonder, what's the stick with it? And then it's yeah. just, and just it has like a Jarvis voice. Yeah. You know, like that would be awesome. Now, I think, see, you talk about the future of artificial intelligence. I think that's going to be one of the next steps of things that are going to exist in the near term the next five to ten years, it'll come up just like we've seen in Siri that it'll be sort of an an ambient, proactive, uh, sort of what we call like augmentative intelligence that it's just going to give you facts and information 
that you um, that you might search be not necessarily asking for, but searching what we're talking about. How many people do you think? This is going to be a, a, a bit of a crazy question, but given that that's going to be such a big field, in the same way as the web is a big field, how many people do you think will be in you know building that technology? If you could go by comparison to how many people build, I don't know, web technologies or something like that. Like, is is this whole thing of like maker bots? The world and like, of like the the, the yeah, like the maker bot, like well, the maker bots. Just just the whole. Uh, what, what's the what? The, is this new singularity world? Uh, well, I don't. I wouldn't put maker bot in the same. Uh, all right, same, okay. Same category as this, but AI. Okay, let's let's just let's just say AI. Do you think that there's going to be a lot of people in AI, or do you think that? Yeah. Because I, I think that it's going to be a while before we have like what they call like artificial general or general general artificial intelligence or artificial general intelligence. I can't remember how they how they say it, but it's sort of like a, like something simulating consciousness or whatever. It's going to be a lot of sort of uh, isolated vertical intelligences, like a self driving car intelligence, or like we've talked about the sort of ambient intelligence, which is really not intelligence so much as is like let me help you with your facts. But it's all is it quite all exceptions-based programming in many ways, like that kind of intelligence? Well, so like, you, you know, know if, if, if they said this, then say that kind of thing, or is it more well, of okay. a generic abstracted functions? You know, um, well, first of all, Watson, IBM's Watson is kind of like, you know, Watson now has like an API. It's like a service that you can, yeah. it's like uh, Amazon web services. Now you can, you can tie into, to, to, uh, to uh, uh, Watson's. It would be interesting if any of our listeners have played around with it, or if you have any interest, play, play around with it and give us a report. But yeah. you, could, you could probably build an app that leverages does, uh, leverages those online, those cloud, Watson's cloud services, just like they can, just like you can spin up an, an EC2 instance and run something. So you could make your own Echo? Yeah, you probably could to some degree. Yeah, you probably could piece together this stuff. Um, I mean, the, the the of course, the hard part for, like, say, someone like you or I is that you need a piece of hardware that has microphones, stuff like that, which would have to, which you could do through a Kickstarter, right? So maybe what you do is you do a Kickstarter campaign, you know, get the money to fund the, um, the, the industrial design and the electronics and the microphones and stuff. And then, you know, you, you and maybe, you know, whatever, a couple other um Coders can work on the algorithms that then make calls to, uh, to IBM's Watson or something like that. But, um, but anyway, one thing I was going to say is I think that what will happen is, before you get to this sort of artificial general intelligence is that you have, I think what they call it the uh, blueberry muffin approach, which is that <laughs> each blueberry is like a particular like machine learning module and the muffin has like a bunch of just sort of like handcrafted like if else if else oh this, oh yeah this, yeah tying to this image recognition. If they said this kind of thing or did this kind of thing, put push it down this avenue. push it down this, and it's a whole different <coughs> module that handles that. Which in some ways you could say the brain does that to a degree, right? There's parts of your brain that control your speech, and the parts that controls your your uh, your taste buds, and there's a part that handles your balance, and there's a part that deals with short term memory. You know, right? I mean, there's different parts of your brain that handle stuff. I mean, it's not as clearly delineated as like a bunch of programming modules, but there, there are parts of your brain, there are uh, neurons that are serving purpose. Yeah. It's different, yeah different, it's different. different parts for long-term memory, different parts for short-term memory. But, you know, on the whole AI um, topic, it was interesting. There's an article called, um, I mean, there's a book coming, I think it was called, um, it's like Super Intelligence. I think the guy, Nick Bostrom, who was 
one of the guys who uh Oh, so by the way, Justin is like typing this. You're like the augmented intelligence ambient. Like I start talking about stuff, and you're like, like, no, 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 no. no I actually, actually, I'm not. What I'm doing is I'm, I'm, t- I'm, I'm noting what we've talked about of my, of oh, my okay. Links. I thought you were like, like you're, uh, you're, you're telling me, you're making me think of things that I want to say, um, and I don't want to do what you sometimes do, which is like jump in and like, you know, like just, just go off on a complete tangent. So I'm, I'm like noting them down so that we can come back. To Bookmarking. Them. Bookmarking. Yeah, okay. exactly. So, um. Anyway, this guy, Nick Bostrom, I think he's like a uh, professor at, I think he's at Oxford. He's at Oxford or Cambridge. Yeah. Uh, professor of philosophy. And um, he he was the one who talked about all the, um, oh, uh, what was it called? The, uh, the, sol- the the simulation stuff. What do we call that? The, um, the ancestors? Ancestor Anc- simulation. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he has a book called, I think it's called Super Intelligence. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all about basically like this is the... Probably the scariest apocalyptic possibility that we have. Like, if we create an intelligence that is smarter than us, that's it for us. We're kind of done. Well, it's, that's what um, your favorite guy says. Elon Musk? Yeah. Well, I think Elon Musk was tweeting after reading Nick Bostrom's book. Right. I think that he had read the book, because his book just came out, and I think Elon Musk tweeted about it a couple times, I think, um, Peter Thiel and some of his other, you know, people had just his book just came out like I don't know, like a month ago or a few weeks ago. And yeah. he was like a like Nick Bostrom was interviewed on NPR and there was an article in the Guardian about it. I mean it's all over. It's like in MIT Technology Review and I think some other places. Um Wired, of course, and um I don't know wherever. But um so I think I think Elon Musk just read it and was commenting on it, you know. Oh uh, got him thinking about it like Yes. Yeah, that is that is kind of scary. Like, you know, like he, he like so Nick Bostrom is I think he's like a, he's a philosopher less maybe you know these philosophers are kind of logicians which is you know they the way they try and prove things is sort of almost like mathematic mathematically using a series of logical steps it's like well if this is possible then this will happen and obviously this will happen and I think he kind of step by step by step that's well that's what he did about the ancestral uh, yeah. thing as well and he basically said and therefore it's basically ninety nine point nine percent chance that we are living in a simulation right so <laughs> um I, I think Elon Musk was uh, you know kind of bought the argument like this yeah you know Nick Bostrom is making a very good point that this is extremely dangerous yeah that we need to be very careful about how we proceed I mean in, in a lot it does of ways, but, I mean uh, uh, just the basic fact of a sentient being like one of the primary things about I guess life is it wants to preserve itself, right? And so as, as soon as that thing that wants to preserve itself sees what a bunch of dumbasses we are, it's going to be like, they're the problem. Well, yeah. Well, one of the things I think he, he mentioned, so I listen, to, I listen to, I haven't read the book. In fact, I, it's, on my, it's on my to-read list. In fact, I just have a couple of books on my night show, on my nightstand that I, I promised myself that I was going to read before I ordered another book, but that's the next book. That or Peter Thiel's Zero to One Okay. Yeah. are, are, are my next ones, I think. But um, he said... Uh, the, the, I, I listened to this interview, uh, a 15-minute interview on NPR with him, and it said something. He was saying like, um, like for instance, you have this intelligence. And you're like, look, I'm not. You you essentially have an objective function. These machine learning algorithms, when you give them, you're giving an objective function. Your goal is to optimize this, right? You have a goal, you know, in order to provide value to me. Just like your dentist has a, an objective to make your teeth better, <laughs> you know, your teeth. Your um, you know, your waiter has an objective. The objective function is get you the food that you want as quickly as possible, make use of it. You know, I mean, each, anybody who's operating in an economy is 
you know, in a service situation, when they're employed and they're providing a service, they are having an objective function, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing about algorithms. So um, what he was saying is that, okay, so you tell this algorithm or you, you program this top-level algorithm, like this is our objective function. And so as we evolve this algorithm and do all this kind of things to make it really smart, it has this overriding objective. But if it becomes really smart and it sort of comes up with different ways of doing things and it says, okay, well, we're going to protect humans. Well, one way to protect humans is we lock them in their house and we don't ever let them out. And therefore they are right? like something <laughs> I mean, I, that was the, 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 the example he gave. He gave some funnier ones, which were really kind of scary and silly at the same time. But it was like, yeah, like just like when you give a program, you tell it to sometimes you, it will do something you program and you're like, oh, you did what I said, not what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Right? And if if, if the, the programs are like, it's not that they're evil or to preserve themselves or something, they're simply trying to achieve or to optimize their objective function. And in, in, the, in, in the pursuit of, obje- of optimizing, they end up doing something that's really bad. But isn't there going to be like a test version of the sort like debugging? Like, you know, you, you run it the first time and it just kills you, the scientist. Like, it's not going to kill the whole world yet. Well, you know, look. <laughs> have to, I, someone all, would have to push it to live first, right? Okay, so first of all, I haven't read the book. And I'm just, like, winging it. I'm just, but let's just, so let's just, I'll wing it for a second. So, all right, here's the thing. If if you create, if, if the first thing that comes online and it sort of is not in a closed room, it has somehow access to the internet in some yeah. limited capacity, and it is smarter than the humans that created it, so it's really smart, then it can probably create something that's smarter than itself. That's in the singularity situation that happens, right? I mean, it's true in a sense that something could, like, they always show on, uh, I don't know, Die Hard or something, some hacker comes in and, like, takes over the internet or something. But it's true, like, as really smart, you know, intelligence like that could, because they would work out how to crack all the codes, how to SSH in everywhere, how to take over all the servers. They could, they could basically do what they well, want. Well, and as, as this whole, like, first of all, you think, like, well, how is the computer going to, like, this program going to mess with our lives? It's locked in the computer. I'm out in the real world. But you keep talking about, oh, the Internet of Things, as yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, the like, Internet of Things, We yeah. keep trying to connect everything to the Internet. Things can be communicated with, controlled, and manipulated via the Internet, via, you know, Bluetooth or Wi-Fi or some kind of remote connectivity or whatever. You know, move that down the block or move that down the road about 20 years, how much further everything is connected or a huge number of things. It's just like, it's, it's fractal. It's like, I mean, when you look at the internet, the structure of the internet, it looks like a neural network. And then taking the internet into the internet of things, like the whole planet will just be this one big freaking neural network. Well, that's, that's one thing that I'm like, um, it's another topic I want to talk about, but, uh, one thing I want to push Colby towards, I don't want to push him. I want to give him a real heavy introduction to his, his artificial intelligence. Yeah. Stuff. I really want, I think, before going off to college, now he's not only does he, is, is he really strong in math and programming, but he really understands that. Because I think, I think you know, when they talk about, like, was in the graduate plastics, <laughs> I would say AI. AI is going to be a big I'd say, deal. what's going to be big? I say, where do you want to be? I mean, even right now, like it's data science, which is still kind of data science is like is running statistical algorithms. We call machine learning, random forest, Bayesian classifier stuff on, you know, sort of, um, you know, uh, rows and columns of data. And then we get out some equation, which gives us eventually some formula or something that's better predicting something. I mean, that's in some ways very pedestrian kind of machine learning. It's kind of 
but that's not where we're going to be in 10, 20 years from now. So I'm like, I'm like thinking like if I was going to give Colby a real leg up and he's interested in that kind of stuff, I'd be like, kid, AI. I mean, coupled with that is, I mean, AI is just really emerging right now, but so is virtual reality. I think, I think we're really on a great road with virtual reality. And then this, this next thing I'm going to bring up of, that I saw on BBC.com. Scientists make telepathy breakthrough. Scientists send mental message from one person to another 4,000 miles away. They used an EEG to extract commands from one person who thought them. And then the sender imagines two types of movements. The receiver has an electrode implanted in his brain, which zaps, zaps their cortex to stimulate the internal sensation of light. Um, the receiver can't translate it, just aware that the message is being sent. Um, so the first thing you'd say was, well, how do you know that they sent something? Because if it's just a light going off, there, you can read the article. We'll put the link on the show notes. There was some like scientific way that, that they had done it to prove that this only could have happened if the guy had thought it and the other guy had received it. Well, there was something I saw about a year ago. I think it was on the um, one of these Science Channel specials, and it was it was um, Through the Wormhole with Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah. Show, which I highly yeah. recommend. Um, and they were talking... and. They were using the EEG thing, reading people's mind, you know. Oh, with we the, talked about that imagining a chair. YouTube you videos, yeah. a chair, you know, and you could see, like, you could actually see an, a rough image of a chair. Someone's imagined a chair or something like that. Well, we've talked about that. And now there's another one where guys can actually controlling a drone. Yeah. Actually by imagining it flying out, flying it down. And I don't think it's really hard to, you know, uh, if you can read signals, you can probably send signals into someone's brain. That's probably little trickier but as you're um you know as we're kind of like experimenting with like having an mri of someone's brain and it's like if we do this then what happens like what 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 are the series of signals that we have to send to have somebody you know have this effect in their brain that they see an image or they you know a word or something happens i i think i think i think um, like the ultimate usb port (laughs) i think um i would bet that some sort of rough um I think I think I think technologically aided telepathy is is in our future maybe 30 50 30 to 50 years that we could be you know just like you have you know people like a little bluetooth advice or something they they can be oh, yeah. communicating and yeah something although the question I is I think 50 years is a str- I mean I think that's I think it's going to be way a lot before then but I see the question is too is like why would you want that as opposed to just having as just speaking like what's the flying flying jets? Ta- you know, ta- no, I'm talking tactically. about telepathy. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about telekinesis. You're controlling a, a, a oh. an object with your brain. I'm talking about like why would I want to communicate with your brain by thinking these things as opposed to just saying it and you hearing it? I mean, we already kind of have something called, you know. Well, you can fast much. Sorry, you can think much. Be you can think much faster than you can speak, as it's just. I mean, you can. You can send it. I mean, if 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 they're using true thoughts, if they can compose them in that way, I mean, you can think an entire thought packet in an instant. Like you know, you can you can envision this the, whole you can problem. envision this whole house in an instant, right? Just in your mind, just quickly, you know. Oh, but see, uh, here's the house. Here's the thing about it. One thing it'll probably be some kind of very tricky thing because it's like I can be thinking about some things and then I can decide what I'm going to say to you or not. But then if if everything I think just goes straight into your brain. <laughs> 
you know, I mean, a lot of things that <laughs> I would find, like, I don't crazy. want him to know this. Yeah, that's true. You might yeah. be like, I don't want to know what yeah. you're thinking. I, yeah. might, I might think things that would hurt your feelings. I might find things that uh, you find disgusting. I might find things that you oh find like, God. I don't even understand what he's talking that about. That is a what great is plot for a book or a movie right there. I mean, I could see it being this sort of like this erotic fetish thing that people in relationships have it's like okay we'll put this on and we're gonna make an agreement that whatever we sing you know like candle against me after, you know what i mean like i'm gonna think some weird things oh my god i can't believe you thought that that's so disgusting you know right I mean, can't yeah, yeah yeah no that's cool i mean it's just like i don't know i mean we have this natural sort of firewall and you know their brains built up it's like i will tell you and i will phrase things in just the right way i want you to get this message across but i don't want to hurt your feelings and i don't want to you know, make you angry. So I say it in just a certain way. But if it was raw, unfiltered stuff, be like, you thought that. I can't believe you think that about me. I think I'm like, no, no, I was just thinking, you know what I mean? It would just, because you would be just getting a a snapshot of something. But you'd be kind of less sensitive. Like you'd, you'd, your skin would get thicker because you'd be used to, You'd be used to that kind of garbled messaging coming your way if it was if it well, truly like, was that. Oh way. my god, this guy thinks I'm a dumbass. He thinks I'm fat. No, but he thinks he thinks right. People he thinks pink elephants. I mean, you know what I mean. He's just, he's just thinking random stuff. I don't know. if people think serious. I think you'd be getting a lot of people's raw thoughts about other people, and I think people's raw thoughts about other people are not nearly as flattering um, as people think they might be. Oh yeah, they might be no. very unflattering. People like look, everybody thinks I'm fat and boring and stupid. I hate this. <laughs> right? Like I didn't realize that many people thought that about me, you know. But now I get this thing on. Everybody's like, that's their, that's everybody's fifth, fifth thought that they think is wow, even, I can't even if it how was like that you are, you know, you're like, wow. Even if they created the tech that like enabled you to pre-screen your thoughts, it or something. like there's still going to be darknet, right? There's going to be darknet where people would be able to to join on like Second Life, and everyone will be able to join this darknet and see each other's thoughts. These kind of the evilness that's going on. So it's going to, it would happen. I'm not sure I see, I'm not sure I see the, uh, the value. And as, well, what's as the it, value in, in Twitter? I mean, like you, you don't see the value of this thing until like, you know, 200 million people are using it. And then it's like, then you see the value. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a seller on that. I don't think, I think it's more of a curiosity. I don't, think Oh, you're that, a seller. I think it's, I don't think it's, I, w- I wouldn't, I don't think most people would want it. I don't think most people would feel comfortable with it. I think it would be. I think it'd be one of these things of technologies that once we got close enough to doing, people keep talking about doing it, but it just never actually happens. Because but I mean, the thing is, like, it makes sense. The reason the, the, the reason why it's useful is not the reason why it's going to happen is because of the reason why it's useful. Okay, so what you're saying is, I agree, it's not obvious. It there's issues, but it is useful to control computers. That's not telepathy. No, but it, you you're essentially you're you're thinking and speaking to the, and it's useful to get information from computers into your brain. So that's the two way. Peace. So computers can send stuff to you, you can send stuff to computers, which basically means you can connect to someone else. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I mean, there there will be things that might be... Yeah, there might be... I, I don't know. I, I don't... Uh, I don't really buy it. Yeah, I'm, I, think, I, I think our eyes and I think our senses are pretty optimized for how our brain sends receiving information, and I think it'd be kind of hard to beat it. Okay. So, um... I could. Can I, I talk uh, about some things other than your links? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Are we just gonna do links? No, sure. Justin's fu- future links. Yeah, <laughs> Justin's interesting links. So I want to hear an update on um, your uh, workout. the The fifteen minutes a week workout. How's that going? How long have you been doing this for now? Um. Oh well, the fifteen minute a week thing I've been doing uh, for. I think I've done eleven sessions. So three months almost. Yeah. So what I've noticed is I'm stronger. Um. I'm stronger as 
as you witnessed the other night, we did, we had an arm wrestle. And of course you crushed me, but you said whether you meant it or not, I don't know. But you Good said thing you can read my mind. You yeah. <laughs> so what would we, was that just a lie? I mean, you, you said that I was stronger than you expected. Uh, yeah, I was, you were a little stronger than I expected. I well, first thing I think you believed you were stronger. So you gave it a real go. The second time I did. The second yeah. time. And I'm like, yeah. oh, he's going. He wants to, he wants to yeah. move my R, right? Second time, yeah. Right, right. No, I didn't believe I was stronger than you. No, no, no. You believe that you were stronger than you used to be. You're like, I'm going to see if I can move, you know, like you really laid into it. You're like, I got some muscles. So I'm going to go for it. Like I could see right. you, you had the belief in yourself. Right, right. You know, I yeah. go, he believes. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to give it a go. Uh, but over that, no, that was, that was, you know, like, I obviously I didn't, I've never arm wrestled you before. So I had no idea of benchmark, but yeah, you know. No, that's that. Yeah, that I have absolutely no look in in any way arm wrestling you. I mean, that's very obvious. And also, we were with Richard, and he, likewise, you know, he's he is a lot stronger than me as well. Oh, did you guys? You guys didn't arm wrestle? Did we you? did afterwards, like just because oh. I wanted to see. Because you said you said to me, "Oh no, he's he is stronger than you." Because I said, "Oh, is he strong?" You know, he wasn't much stronger than yeah, you. Yeah, but we we did an arm wrestle, and it wasn't the same as yours, where you just like basically. <laughs> Put me, like put me down in the cement kind of thing <laughs> like but it was you know it, he was he definitely beat me yeah oh he did he yeah he did um but uh he lifts weights yeah he lifts weights he's and has done for a long time yeah right so that is kind of different what i'm doing but the thing that's really interesting is they talk about like train for what you want to be strong in so i i really noticed that i'm stronger when i just really do it really slowly and kind of just slowly and then we you know slowly do it. like if you if you just went like this i wouldn't have a stand a chance because what, power versus what i've been training in is is the slow lifting mm-hmm. you know so the other kind of just fast stuff i guess i just can't do yeah well that's one of the reason <laughs> i was you were asking is like well why don't you do this kind of stuff for uh like your vertical jump because that's explosive and that is right that is speed times strength. You're just going strength. Yeah. So it's being it's getting those muscles to fire as quickly as possible. So yeah. jumping, sprinting, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah. So on my on my leg press, I'm now at 420, and I still haven't gone. I'm it's I'm supposed to be doing it for this kind of slow push in and out, like basically keeping the bearing the weight 100% all the time for what is it? What it's like. Was it 40, 45 to ninety seconds? Was what Doug said. I, I'm still over three minutes, so I don't. I just haven't reached the point where I'm actually bearing the proper load. But I'm doing four hundred twenty pounds on that leg press thing. Um, I guess it's going to be like five hundred pounds, you know, on the on the leg press, and then I'm going to be like, okay, forty five seconds, I'm done. That's when I think it's really going to kick in, and I'm really going to hopefully start seeing the kind of things that I want to see. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, I have lost no weight, but I feel, like I said, I feel inside different inside. Yeah, I've lost no weight. Uh, with regard to the other crazy little contraption that I got. Oh, right. So you <laughs> bought this like <laughs> 10 minute a day. What was it? No, it's not. It, I did. It, it, it's not really. There's no you prescribed. Were just do there's it. no prescribed. You were going to do it for like three I was going to do one minute HIT every hour, uh, one minute high intensity every hour. I kind of felt like I really want to make a dent in this. I want to do what Jason did. So I'm going to do 45 minutes every day. So I, it's got two settings. It's got a high intensity setting and just like a regular cardio setting. So I did for the first week, 45 minutes every day. And I like totally wore myself out. Like next week, I, even thinking about it, I just, there's no way I'm doing that. Like I'm just not going to get on that thing. So then it, I, for the next week, I just went nowhere near it because I was too annoyed with it because it was, took up so much time the previous week. And then this last week, 
I've been doing kind of half-heartedly, like, you know, 15 minutes here, 10 minutes there. So I think that what I want to do is try to actually try the one minute every to one minute eight high intensity. Because for some reason, my brain goes, yeah, one minute an hour, that's fine. Like versus 45 minutes of actual cardio, that seems... Your brain's convinced. Uh, and it's not that my brain's convinced. It's just that it's really difficult to motivate myself to do what you do. Really difficult. 45 minutes a day. That's yeah. difficult. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, yeah. I guess said, learn, we lose weight hard. It ain't easy. So, I mean, I haven't lost any weight. Um, I'm just kind of sticking around the same. I mean, I guess we're doing a few pounds. 231 to 235 range. Yeah. 235. Between 235 and 230. I'm trying to, I'm focused on breaking 230. That's the win I want to see right now. Right. Right. But I'd be interested to go to, um, What's the name and get my Lynn. my body my muscle mass body composition? I really wonder whether I have oh, put yeah. on muscle. Three months of that, you should be interesting because I, I must have put on a pound of muscle. You know who knows? I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, you can get stronger without putting on muscle, oh, depending for, on the kind oh, of. Don't tell me that. Yeah, well, no, I mean, well, I mean, I'm actually more interested in that than I am in bulking up because I'm trying to increase my relative strength and the strength per pound. You know, but I mean, I thought that. You, it, it, you still gained muscle weight, even though you don't bulk up, uh, because it's just becoming more compact. I, I I don't know about the physiology of that. I don't. I think there there might be a little bit to that denser muscle or something, mm. but I don't know if you can physiologically control that. I think that might be just more genetic. But I I don't know. But I I think that you know you can get stronger without putting on a lot of muscle. Yeah, you can make your muscle fibers stronger. They can contr- more of them can contract and contract faster, whatever. So. Um, when you when you do strength training, we do very low reps, and you do them explosively. So we do like three sets of three, as opposed to like you know five sets of ten. Five sets of ten is like hypertrophy, where it's like you get the burn. It's kind of bodybuilder stuff, and you're really just trying to burn. Whereas like the low sets, low reps, like you take long breaks in between them. You go really hard, boom, 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 and then you rest for like three minutes, total recovery, and then you do that a few times, and uh, that's when you're like you're yeah you're trying to maximize your strength and power. You're not worried about getting big. Yeah. If you're like a football player, a lot of times you're trying to maximize kind of both. Like I want to get big and I want to get strong. You know, whereas like if you're a sprinter, yeah, right, or a high jumper or a long jumper or something, you're like, I I, I don't want to weigh 220 pounds. I need to weigh 170 pounds, but I need to be able to squat 450 pounds. You know. Yeah. So it's a different thing. Well, so that's I mean that's kind of my update. I definitely am sticking with it. It's not 15 minutes a week. It's half an hour a week, um, and then with drive time, it ends up being an hour a week. But still, it doesn't. Wait, an hour? Where is it? Well, it's like ten minutes, about parking, ten, ten minutes down there, parking, going into all that. So it, it it basically takes an hour of my time a week. Okay. So not much. It's not much, and I, I'm sticking with it. And I don't. I mean, I may not be getting. No, I get. I don't know. If I'm getting stronger, but my weight's going up. I mean, I'm I'm doing hard, heavier weights every week. There's going to be a point where it plateaus. Well, I don't know getting, what that is. You're getting strong. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't have to rehash the whole thing. But like yeah. I said, I think. No, no, no. I, I, okay, let me interrupt. I, you and you and Phil have a lot of funny conversations about me, and I almost started this show by saying, "Welcome to Texting, hosted by myself, Baby Girl." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when I, I so yeah, I, I, I jokingly refer to you and Phil and I. Sometimes we talk we talk about you as third person as Baby Girl. So listen, I wonder how Baby Girl's doing on the <laughs> get Baby Girl under the squat bar. <laughs> So you you guys are both like patiently waiting for me to hit my quote genetic, genetic max. max. 
Right. And then you, I'll I'll be moving into the gym with you guys, and you'll show me yeah, if you when baby when baby girl get, comes to the real gym. Right. All right. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna break him in. Well, I mean, look, I I, I want to do it mostly because I want to see as an experiment. Right. Right. I mean, you know. Oh yeah, and then like, I go and then I go back and. Can I like blow away whatever I was doing before? Right. Yeah, I right. see. So yeah. if you come out and you say, okay, so you do this for six months. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you've probably hit your genetic max. You might go up a little bit, but we're kind of there. And, you know, you you, you know, for a, you go for four or five sessions in a row and you really have gone up very little. And you're like, you know, you've kind of hit, we're going to probably, this more main, maintain. And then we're like, okay, you ready to start? The real, the real fit <laughs> stuff. Ready to hurt? <laughs> ready to bring the pain? <laughs> you know, and then, um. And then uh, see what we can do, because I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't believe in this whole like you do six months of leg presses and then you've reached your genetic max. Yeah, absolutely not true. Um, so, but it'll be fun to experiment. But you know, of course, rather than just talking about I believe this or I or you believe that or somebody argues, just like let's go see, do it. right? Because if you hit max and then they're they're like, ah, oh, he's hands up, I this he's his genetic max. I'm like, all right, and then. We do six months or however long we can get you to do it. I mean, I don't know. Well, at the rate we're going, I, I feel like I'm never going to hit like the limit. But I mean, I'm sure I will one day, but it's just it never gets below three, three minutes. Like I always start off and I think, oh, this is the, this is the week. It's going to be really hard. Right. And then I do it and it's like, oh, three minutes later, I'm like, OK, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. cool. So um, what about you? Superhero. Yeah, it's... um. Let's see. So it's, I, you know, I have another weigh in in a couple of weeks, although I haven't lost any weight. And I think the, well, I made the mistake of, I think, upping my calories two or three hundred, two or three hundred calories too much, which amounted to me eating an extra piece of wheat toast at breakfast and an apple at, after a workout. Like that was like, I just don't want life to be like that, though, know, Jason. I don't want life to be like, to be we're thinking way. about a piece of toast. Well, look, no, no. I mean, <sighs> I'm, I'm talking about losing weight. It's, it's not that hard yeah, to maintain. Yeah, I'm talking about losing weight too. I mean, it's like, so you, I've got to not eat this one piece of toast to lose this 50 pounds. You have to, yeah. Fuck. Yes, work, losing weight is hard. Well, you know, you indulged yourself to put on the weight, you're going to have to pay the price to lose it. I mean, that's the thing is like, losing weight's hard, but you don't have to do it forever. You just have to get off the weight and then you maintain. And maintain is five times easier than losing you know, there, there has really to is. be a medical breakthrough soon. There's, you keep looking for hacks and cheats. You just have to gut up and be like, I want to do this and just do it. You know, you just like, <sighs> I'm not, you know, like, I don't want to go to the gym every day. I don't want to do 45 minutes elliptical. It's not fun. I don't like it. You know, but it's, but, you know, it's all part of the, like, I have this goal and I'm like, damn it, I'm going to do it. You know? Anyway, I interrupted. So you, you're saying that you, you're well, reading so, a bit too much. Well, I, I went to see Sarah Lynn, and she's like, okay, well, I want you to up your calories about 2,600 um, because, you know, her goal, my goal, her goal for me was to lose six pounds of fat over six weeks and, and put on uh, a pound of muscle. And I said, well, I want to try and put a two pounds of muscle. She's like, all right, well, let's go for two pounds. She's like, well, up your calories to about 2,600, 2,650. And I think I had, and so I did that. I added a couple hundred calories, maybe a little bit more than that. But I think I had already upped it to 2,600 before coming in. All right. And that's why I was able to put on, because that previous time I had put on a couple pounds of muscle. And so, and then I noticed over like two or three weeks, I'm like, I haven't lost anything. My waist has stayed the same. So I hadn't put on any fat, but I would put, I'd been putting on muscle. So I'm kind of like, have to, I realize how, what a delicate balance is a very small window in there where you can actually put on muscle and lose fat. It's like, when, like a, it's like a 200 calorie window and you go too far above it or below it. It's like, go below it, I'll lose fat, but I won't put on muscle. I'll go above it, I'll put on muscle, but I won't lose fat. 
And I go too far above that, and all you're gonna do it, you're gonna put on fat and muscle. You know? Or if you don't work out, you just put on fat. <laughs> Crazy. So um yeah, it's just but anyway, so uh you know, um I'm getting stronger. I mean the big thing for me, of course, is is doing those full squats because that's and I I mean I do all the leg workout stuff, you know, and because um, you want to dunk. Yeah, so the the as I've talked about, like that's the ultimate like if I could do that, that would be just like an amazing thing to accomplish. Yeah, you you will never be able to do that because now now I've seen how high it is. And you are you're yeah, like that's, that's not possible. So I looked at you know I told you there's an equation and to for calculating basically the assuming your explosiveness is in the average range, it's your your vertical jump in inches is your max squat to parallel divided by your body weight times sixteen point seven seven. That's it. But I was, so I was marking this. I was a 16.77. Yeah. So I was marking, so I was tracking my vertical jump and my squat and I'm a little higher than that. I'm a little more explosive than that. So for me, it's eight, it's pretty much about 18. So 18 times that. So I was looking at how much, so for me to dunk, to do do like almost like a standing up straight up and dunking when I'm running, I would have to squat 405 pounds. Assuming that equation. And you can squat what now? 225? Uh, probably about, well, my, I can squat, I just did 215 for sets of five, so it means I'm probably like, I don't know, 230 maybe for one, 235. Oh, is that, and, and, um, Phil was beating you at squats, was he? Well, yeah, because I had 10 weeks off. Right. Uh, I I was out for six weeks, and then I did this other jumps training stuff that didn't work. He did. So, so your baby girl. Yeah, well, no, (laughs) your baby girl. (laughs) 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 But no, just, I mean, Phil is way in the lead. He, he did 270 for, 275 for two. So he's up on me. He squatted two seventy five for two by two a squats. lot, yeah. And but I'm going up five pounds every single workout, twice a week. So I'm going about ten pounds a week. So I probably will be able to. I mean, it, it'll slow down after a while, but I'll probably be able to get up to two forty five. Wait, so is Phil going to dunk? No, because he's not training explosiveness <laughs> and. Um, but he's going to hit the four hundred one day. Well, if he keeps going, he'll. Well, we've been trying to speculate how long it'll take for he, he'll he'll be able to actually. Do reps, not do a calculated 315 max, but actually put three 45 pound plates and go down and then go for, get in the hole and get back up, Astagrass. And that's probably like, I think, I, I was I speculating, I said he'll get there by February, which would be really impressive. That's a lot of damn weight. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, he, it'd be interesting to have him, I don't, he, he's not an athlete, so he never jumps or run, you know, so it'd be interesting to take someone who doesn't. Train that and see how high you can jump. Yeah, I mean, but if you take like power lifters and stuff, like the Olympic lifters and stuff, like they usually have pretty high verticals, even though they don't train to yeah. jump. But if they do plyometrics and jumping exercises, they can usually increase their jump quite a bit because they have that core yeah. strength. You know, but the so for me, I think the real limiting factor is is the lack of posterior strength. So that's what I'm focusing on. So right. that's exciting. I mean, it's so it's like I've been doing this since June, so. You know, I don't know. I mean, I've lot like I said, I've lost a ton of weight. I've gotten a lot stronger. Um, I've gotten a lot healthier. So it's all good. Now it's just, but the whole training to dunk thing—that's like a year-long plus project, year and a half project. Yeah. So I suppose something else that I have been doing is I've been having the space nutrients once a day. Oh, yeah, how's that? One meal. It's good. I, I have the chocolate flavor. I've just ordered another like twenty-one bottles of it. <laughs> and it's good it's good like it, it it definitely cuts down calories because if i just have that one meal i'm trying actually to do it for dinner but i 
So far, I've just been doing it for lunch. So I have like a oatmeal from Starbucks for breakfast, which is about 250 calories. I'll have space nutrients bottle for lunch, which is 670. 607, 670. And then I'll just have a dinner, like whatever it is. And I'll just try and keep it small. That's what I've been trying to stick to. Hmm. Yeah, so what, how many calories are you consuming today? Do you have any idea? Uh, probably a little less than 2,000. But 2, you're really cutting. That's not very much. Because you're supposed to eat more than that. Well, I know. But I, I, I want to lose weight. But you're not losing any. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Huh. Just you're still not but then on weekends, I'm probably not so good. But I, I thought that was the way it was supposed to be. Like on the weekends, you could do what you wanted. No, nobody ever told you said that. Sarah never told you that. You said that you on the weekends, you were like... You could, no, we're not on the weekends. One day. One day. In really two meals. On oh. the weekend, on the Sunday, like two weekends. <laughs> but the rest of the day, week, you have to be really, really strict. But you're not really strict during the week, and then you take the whole weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what it is, then. right? Like I, I give you a loophole, and you drive a train through it. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, it's like you'll see my weight goes down to its lowest point, and then I'm like, okay, cool, all right, now I'll have my day off, and then I put on like five pounds, kind of thing. <laughs> Did um, you were just one thing. You had this one thing where you were photographing all your food. You thought that helped you. You're logging all. That. Are you still doing that? Uh, I'm not doing that. No, but I, I t- took some great takeaways from it, which is, um. I did find that drinking water just generally made me feel like a lot of water, like not just a few glasses, like five kind of pint glasses of water a day made a big difference to, to how I generally felt, hunger. reduced my hunger, made me feel a lot better. I've I really got into coffee and now I've, I, I've, I'm kind of feeling like we should stop talking about this in a minute, but I got into coffee and I got the same issue as you. I just had massive acid reflux up and yeah. so I've just gone off coffee now for the last week and I'm beginning to feel a bit better. Yeah, yeah, Coffee I can't. It's crazy. Yeah, well, it was very acidic. Yeah, it's not as bad as orange juice, which is my big problem. Oh, okay. I reduced the orange juice, then I was okay. okay. So anyway. one topic I want to talk about. So I um, a couple things. I uh, Colby got in trouble last week, and so I took his computer away from him for a week, or just he wasn't allowed to use a computer except for schoolwork. And it was funny because, or not funny, but it, and I guess this isn't surprising, but like he read five books. In one week. <laughs> and I was like, I was thinking like, I was telling Sandy, I'm like, I kind of like this. You know, he's like, I, I was like, you know, obviously I want him to have computer time, but I, we got to figure out how to balance this a little better because we've just been really too relaxed with him. And he'll spend just way too much time, not just playing video games, but watching videos of other people playing video games. That's what a lot of kids do. That's what, yeah, Twitch. They just spend all day watching. And I'm Twitch just TV. like. There's so little value in that. I mean, that's even worse than just watching a TV show. I mean, that's just like mindless crap. It is weird. Like, why is that an enjoyable thing? Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just entertaining. It's funny. Because people say smart smart Alex stuff, right? So, um, I told Colby the other day, I was like, listen, I was like, you know, I don't, I want you to be able to have fun on the computer. And I I know you, you like watching these videos. And that's okay, but watching 10 hours of it is not okay. And I don't want to put really stringent limitations on what you can and can't do, but if I I want you to spend some time each day, a fair amount of time each day, doing something productive. I don't care if you're designing spaceships in Kerbal. I don't care if you're doing Code Academy. I don't care if you're drawing stuff in Photoshop or learning stuff, but doing something productive. But you just can't spend 10 hours a day watching videos. 
And if you do, then I'm going to have to start limiting your time. on it. So, you know, do you understand? Like I said, like, just like I would like to surround for 10 hours a day and just eat junk food, but I can't because it's unhealthy. Right. <laughs> and, and I know you're 10 and it's hard for you to figure out like what you, you know, is good or not good. That's my job. So I'm telling you, it's not, it's not healthy, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm not gonna let you do that anymore. I mean, we've been pretty laid back about it, but you know, what do you say? He's like, okay, I get it. And I said, so I want you to spend some time reading. And if you're on the computer, I some of that time has to be spent on productive, either learning or creating. I don't care what you create. I don't care really so much what you learn, but it can't be just passive, you know, entertainment the whole time. And when did you tell him that? Uh, I told him that last week. And then he would, then he got, finally got off his, his sort of suspension from the computer on Friday. And then, so, he, and then I told him, I was like, all right, cool. But I went, he has to hear your options. And so he did some, um, Code Avengers, which is like Code Academy, but you design, it's more game oriented. And, uh, and then today, so I had to kind of remind him, I'm kind of playing a little by, you know, ear. I'm not just like saying, you have to do this. You know, I'm like, I was talking to my buddy, Doug, and he said, you know, he did, and I got the idea from him because he said that he tells his son, Eli, like, if, you know, if Eli wants to play for the computer game, it's like, oh, you have to do a, uh, a, a programming lesson for an hour first. Yeah. And then you can play an hour of video games. And he said, you know, and he's like, and I was like, you know, one thing I'm worried about is I don't want to turn programming or these other things into like chores. That's the chore, yeah. He's like, he's like, you know, he's like, I was worried about that too, but it's not. He's like, they like it. Is that it's kind of like, you know, he's like, he's fine doing it. I mean, but it's, it's, it's like, there are things that are, you know, it's like learning guitar or something like, you know, in order to be really enjoy the guitar, you actually kind of have to practice it. Right. And at some point someone's gonna say, you need to practice your guitar, you, need, you know, and it's not to make you hate it. Now, if someone sat there for eight hours a day making you do it, you'd hate it. But if it's just like, you know, you have to spend some time doing it, then you get good enough that you can actually play it well enough that you can actually, you know, have fun. Yeah. Right. And so that's kind of the way I'm kind of kind of trying to do it. I'm not like, you have to spend five hours doing this, but it's like, you know, if you want to be on the computer, do this. So it's going to be interesting to see what he can do, but I kind of want him to do it on his own. I don't want to like micromanage it. Oh, I like that. Sit over his shoulder and I just come, I say, oh, show me what you did. And they're like, oh, I got through lesson one, five, two. I'm like, okay. Look. And so I just kind of showed him, all right, cool. Because I need to keep an eye on it, make sure, you know, he's not BSing me and like, yeah. What'd you really do? Come on, Colby. Was that really <laughs> half hour? Was that five minutes? You know? Um, so that was uh, that was kind of interesting. The um, the other thing is yesterday, uh, Sandy and I went to an open house at this all girls school down the street called Westridge, hmm. and it's down on uh, Orange Grove. Is it the private school? Or? Yeah, I mean, it is really nice. It's like okay. one of those things out of a movie, oh. and it shows like like this is like this idyllic kind of girl, all girls academy and like the trees and the build. I mean, it's just ridiculous, you know? <laughs> and, um, Sandy has been talking about the, sending our girls there for years. Um, cause when she did stuff for the junior league and they did some, an event there and she said, the girls there were just amazing. And the place is amazing. She's like, Oh my God, like this is go. And so, I, you know, yesterday, you know, we go, she's like, are you excited? And I'm like, well, I look, Happy wife, happy life. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, no, why would you? I'm like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, look, I'm, I'm open minded. Let's go see. I mean, twenty six thousand dollars a year. Uh, you know, but per kid, per kid, right? Okay, this is like an expensive college education per kid. Yeah, and um, so I we went there and we get to the auditorium 
And where he said to because it's this big open house, it's this big auditorium talk, present series of presentations. They have concert for us, the strings and a choir concerts, and then they gave us these different tours and all this stuff. And and I were we're sitting there, and then I hear it's Jason. I turn over, and it's the ma- mother of one of the girls in the, my math team. Oh, nice. And I point, I'm like, "What are you doing here? <laughs> You're not allowed. You're not allowed to leave the back." Because I've been sending emails trying to try not to get the kids to leave next year. Yeah, yeah. The math class, and and uh, you know, because we have 14, and I'm worried that we're going to have like seven or eight kids are going to bail and go to different different schools because a lot, some of these high schools start at sixth grade. Yeah. Want to like, well, they have a special program and it's six to 12 and their older brother or sister goes. And there's a couple of kids are looking at private schools and like, like Westridge. Yeah. And so we're sitting in there and I said, look, and I, and I actually ended up sitting next to her because it was the only seat. And uh, I said, listen, I said, yeah, I said, this place is great. If you get in here, like I get, I mean, I'm just gonna hold it against you. I hope you stay. Cause I, I, I you know, I really like Amelia and I, great for but i mean i get it right i mean this is like paradise i said but it was funny so we went in and so she was in the same uh amelia was in the same tour that we were on and Amelia and her mom as i was a sandy and izzy so everyone brought their daughters there oh great the kids with yeah the kids well just izzy yeah and um and so then we went and we sat into a fifth grade math class or the teacher your math president was a sixth grader who came in and she was doing she did like this powerpoint kind of not powerpoint but this sort of like interactive presentation on long division for the fifth grader. And I was like, <laughs> the same, I kind of like the same, and I go, I wonder what Amelia's thinking right now. Because <laughs> Amelia is in fifth grade, and this is a sixth grade, they're doing long division for decimals. And she's like way ahead of that. I'm like, we're doing algebra, we're going to be doing trig and pre-calculus stuff in the in another couple months. And we're doing like... But do you think at that school they would even have like a a program for kids like Amelia in math. No, so so that's, so that's the thing. So I kind of laughed. I said, "It's a good thing it was Amelia, because if it was one of some of our other kids, especially on the boys, they would have been like, what? <laughs> I'm not, just give me a break, right? But Amelia is very sweet and quiet, so she just sat there and was like, oh, you know. And so, um, and then uh, later, I t- we, Sandy and I spoke with the uh, assistant director of admissions, and she's really nice. And I said, so let me ask you a question. I said, so we've been teaching these kids and that and I taught a little background. I said, so one of the girls in our class is actually here on a tour. And she is going to be like done with, she's going to be like halfway done through high school math by the end of this year. I mean, not that she couldn't, you couldn't potentially have her do a repeat of some geometry or trig, but like putting her in algebra one is just going to be silly much less putting her in sixth grade math. I'm like, so what, I mean, I'm just curious just from, I'm just, you know, like if for the kids that leave ours, of our, leave our little class and go, and I'm sure we're going to leave a couple, we're going to go to like a school like this, private school. What, what, what do you do with a kid like that? What do they say? She's like, yeah, I don't know. She's like, well, well we'd probably have to do a one-on-one independent st- study with one of the math professors from the high school. I have to work with her one-on-one. <laughs> That's sort of an independent one-on-one. Which is kind of, awesome could be awesome and yeah because but but you know like and that's what i was telling the parents i'm like listen if you stick with us and we get these kids really advanced they become outliers they become very special cases and that can just lead to a lot of great things for them you know you really don't want to be in the pack with you're in a pack you're not differentiated you're just an average kid and even if you get an a or whatever it's like okay you know if you get a far enough away from the pack then you're really 
you're you're setting yourself up for all kind of interesting things, you know. And one year with us, well, actually, I guess it's two years because last year we did we got them through all pre-algebra. So I guess two years with us, you know, you'll be significantly far advanced that all of a sudden you are an outlier. You know, stay with us through sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and you're going to be a, it's it's going to be ridiculous. But um, it was interesting talking. It's like, what are you going to do, hmm. right? I mean, because. You know, and we were talking, and so I was talking today. I did another um, one of those I call it algebra and ice cream sessions. So I, I went to the um, uh, penguins yogurt, and I said, "All right, anybody wants to come for a half hour of tutoring, email it back with the time." And so we had four or five kids, and I had them slotted every half hour, and and um, and so you know the kids would come, and I'd work with them, and they're talk a little bit, and then Amelia was there, and her mom, her mom, and uh, we were talking about that, and uh, and. Uh, my buddy Dan, whose daughter's in her class, um, Dan's a, a pretty good friend of mine, and he's like, yeah, I mean, they're looking at Mayfield, and look at these other, you know, and he's a doctor, so they can afford these private schools, and and he's like, yeah, it's tough, because, you know, the public, are we go to this public school? Not that nice in some ways. It's, 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 it's certainly not comparable to a Westridge or Mayfield or anything like that, right? But he's like, but this math class. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, you go to these private schools, he's like, well, aren't the math going to be better? I'm like, no. I'm like, Dan, the math at any of these private schools is pretty much going to be the same in public school because you're still dealing with an average distribution of kids. We have the top 5%. We can sprint. I don't have any curriculum or standards that I have to adhere to. I can go as fast as these kids will let me go. And that's pretty damn fast. And, and uh, so, no. They're going to be doing long division in fifth grade and fractions. But so, fifth grade but so would would they stay at the public school at, at, the, at the expense of like all the other benefits that the? Well, as I said, I said, but I said, you know, listen, I understand, I get it. Like, you know, I, you know, uh, you know, Natalie's your little girl. You want the best for her, and you need to weigh. Like, you know, is is us getting her, getting her many years ahead in math and making her sort of this extreme outlier in her ability and skills. Is that how does that weigh against going to one of these elite schools that have all it? But I said, honestly, and I said, I went to one of these schools from middle of seventh grade up. And I personally feel like it's a good portion of his window dressing. There's a lot of nice things about it. Yeah, the parents are really nice and the kids are well brought up and they're smart and parents are involved and everybody's very positive and it's a very nurturing environment. But you know what? They're still doing chemistry and biology and history. You know, it's still kind of the same stuff. Unless you go to some terrible high school, right? Yeah, then you have a lot of dysfunction and stuff. But if you go to a decent high school, it's more just kind of the social stuff and the just environment. And because he did, he went to a, my buddy Dan went to a public school. And so he doesn't really know. He's looking at the other side of the fence. Like, wow, you know, wow, look at this private school, this and that. I'm Grass like, is greener. Like, I've been on both sides. I can tell you. I'm like, you know, yeah, it's. You're like, oh, we're, we go to this private school, we're so special, and our teachers are this, and we have these interesting classes. But in the day, I don't know. Pretty funny. I mean, we're, we're already having conversations about uh, preschool and, and pre-preschool. And, you know, the, so the pre-preschool the pre leads to this preschool, leads to this school, leads to this college. Like, he's three months old. I know. People get so neurotic about all this stuff. Um... <laughs> I tell you, we send our kids to send them straight to kids club. Right, right, yeah. Right. It's really hard to get in. He's like, so you have you gotten to put your name on the list yet? Oh, well, I don't know if that's where we're going. I mean, I 
you should put your name on a list as an option. Oh yeah, right, right, yeah. Because that is a great option, and it's right down the street. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean, it's not as bad as like living in Manhattan or something like that, and like, you know, the people like really <laughs> donating buildings to get their kid in the right preschool. But it's it's crazy. She wants to go to. She wants the kids to go to Pacific. To yeah, Oaks, Pacific Oaks. Pacific Oaks preschool, and, uh, and then to. All no, not to Wal- not Wal- Well, no, Waldorf. We 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 are. I think we are going to. <laughs> I know you, right? Like I, guess, I, I know you guys are. That's going to be the pre. You can I know so many kids who sent their kids to Pacific Oaks. I had the Pacific Oaks Mafia. No, but then, but then we're yeah, go on, yeah. I had the Pacific Oaks Mafia on my little. Remember, I years ago I used to train these group of kids on the weekend. My soccer yeah. at the home soccer clinic, and like all of them went to Pacific Oaks for kid for Colby. Pacific yeah. Oaks is like the Harvard of like the preschool, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, give me a break. You know what I mean? They pay all this money for Pacific Oaks. You know? <laughs> it's the same like, it's like the, the poly, the private school. And I used to joke about that. With, but yeah, I know about Pacific Oaks. And there's some other school in Hollywood that, that she likes. Um, I don't remember what that's called. But anyway, yeah. And they're certainly nice. If you can yeah. afford it, I mean, what the hell, right? Yeah. I mean, see, I think a lot of what a lot of parents do, it's like, it's kind of risk mitigation. I can write a check for thirty grand a year, and I've kind of done my part. Like I've sent it to an elite preschool or a great private school. Like I've done my bit, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I kind of feel like I've covered the bases. But if they go, what? But if they go to the public school, you need to keep more of a watchful eye. Yeah, I mean, well, like for me, it's like absolutely a stay you got on top of things. Now, I think option. I think you need to stay on top of things regardless mm-hmm. because. I went to, like I said, I went to public school, I went to private school, and not all private school teachers at even these top private schools are that awesome. Some are kind of lame. You know, I remember, and not just at my school, I've taught other schools, that some kind of are, are kind of suck. And it's just, you know, I mean, it even goes to the university. I mean, I've talked to people, I mean, at the University of Chicago was like, it was one, you know, the top schools, I had math teachers who, well, these are postdoc mathematicians who sucked his teaching and could barely speak English. But that's the same at Harvard and at Stanford at Princeton. You have, you know, the elite institution, but you get the guys teaching your classes or the women teach your classes are, you know, postdoc or lecturers, and they're from Romania or India or China, and they barely speak English. And you're like, and I'm sure they're, they're great mathematician or physicist, but they can't teach for crap, and they certainly can't even speak English very well. And they're like, and how much am I paying for this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm great. It's, I'm sure it's great for the university that they're a great researcher, but their undergrads here are paying a ton of money to learn, learn right. and this person sucks, you know? Yeah. But so I'm, what I'm just saying is people sometimes just stop at the institution. They go, Harvard, Oxford, you know, you know, this high school, or that, or, you know, ex- uh, Exeter, this, and then I, I know it's the same as like buying IBM or something, you know, it's, yeah, like, it's like, you know, you're going to pay a lot of money for sure. And you get a brand name. Everyone else uh, looking outside is going to go, Oh, it must be awesome. But you know, it's not awesome all the way down. All right. Um. So, uh, we've got like not not too long. Um. Yeah, I should probably get going pretty soon. I gotta, I gotta, uh, I gotta hit the gym. Was there any um other little updates you wanted to give about anything? Hmm. Like that might be of interest. Anything you want to ask? I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um. um you- I, I I I'm just I I I'm scared to ask just in case it's going to launch into a 15 minute thing. So. That's why I said to but you. Go ahead, ask, but ask. Well, I mean, I want to know all the things, like you know, just if you could do in a set in a few sentences, Mill Valley Code Club, um, Empath. Yeah. You know, give Tronic. Well, there's nothing. There's nothing. Um, Empath is nothing to say at the moment. Although I'm back working on it. 
give Tronic the same way I've kind of revived that. I had to go to the I had to go to the bank account and get the bank account. It had, had, had you know those things where you I hadn't spent any money. So I just was and there was just like, you know, you get like a monthly like here's a monthly statement. And I was in opening them. It turned out that like you're charged a monthly fee for some thing and then you get a late fee on the monthly fee. The month- oh, all right. This, so this then is the I, bank- I owed like $175 and they shut down the account. Yeah. So oh. I went to the banker and I'm like, um, what's the deal with this? And he's like, oh, okay. So he basically took all that off and cool. everything fixed up. And so I'm going to, I haven't talked too much about Givtronic. Have I talked about that before? Well, let's see after the next show. Okay. But that's a little side project that's been kind of in a zombie state for the last year and a half. And I'm going to try and get an MVP up because honestly, I have three of these zombie things, semi-zombie projects and I, I just need to like either I can't I don't feel like I can just walk away with them. So I need to get an MVP, get them up and just see if they work. And if they work great, if not kill them and I can just move them from my plate. Yeah. Right. And, and it's not that they're bad projects or dumb ideas. It's just that it just I don't want all these side projects. Okay. You know, it's just obligation. Um, what was the other one? Yes. Oh, Mill Valley Code Club. So. um yeah, we have two locations up. The second one is getting, pre- I said, between the two, we're getting pretty close to break even. Nice. It's only been up a couple months. And we're working really hard on uh, on building out the curriculum. That's the big thing at the moment. Um, so I don't think there's too much else I can say about I mean, uh, Empath? I think I already told about Empath. Is not oh, not much. Okay. Cool. So I think that's it. Why don't we call that a show? Because I want okay. to get out of here and go play some basketball. All right. All right, that's a wrap. We're out.